Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Well, well, well. Good morning, everybody. Fun times in Philadelphia. I'm Glenn Mack, now joined by my pal Jody McDonald this morning. Mike Sealski is on vacation. Uh, so Jody and I are going to be doing today, tomorrow, I think next week, too. All right, Jody, last night the Phillies get their 13th straight road win. You just heard it, two outs, down a run in the ninth, slow motion, two-run home run. Looked like a lazy fly ball, just kept going out of the park. What a fun game to watch. They're down all game. You keep the faith in the ninth, real Muto singles. Your boy, Alec Bohm, drives him in with a double, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, use you, Jody. Ooh. Christian Pache. And it's not even uh, the, the fact that Pache has now become a member of the team and gotten some big hits for him. I'd learn how to pronounce his name with you down at the ballpark when we had Tom McCarthy on the first weekend of the season. Because I thought it was Pache all these years. I've been saying when he was on the Braves, when he was on the eight, Christian Pache. And uh, it was T-Mac who alerted us, alerted us to the fact that it's Pache, not Pache. And you can call him whatever you want. I called him a hero last night after hitting that two-run home run, which I, like you and Greg Murphy, heard on the radio call. I didn't think it was getting out. The way the center fielder played it was going back on it. It looked to me like uh, he had a beat on it and thought he had a play. And the ball just kept traveling. And what a, what a way to win their 13th straight road game. Yeah. What a game to watch, too. You know, keep the faith, all that. And afterward... Through an interpreter, Pache says, I know I hit it well. I knew I hit it well. Uh, it was a real man that hit that ball. <laughs> and then describing how he jumped up and down after he hit it, I just wanted to jump because it looks sexy. Um, an incredibly special night. Jody, we talk about this from time to time, and you and I talked before the show. This will be a game to remember at the end of the year. This will be the Christian Pache game. I call them circle it on the calendar type games that you go back and you look at and go, and it can go both ways. In this case, of course, it's going on the upside for the Phillies, but you can have a circle it on the calendar game that ends up in a loss if the season doesn't go the way you want it to. Uh, but, yeah, th- this is one of those games that we will be talking about come September and hopefully October with the Phillies this year. A key win, maybe one you didn't think you were going to get, late stages. A lot of things can add to why you make it a circle it on the calendar game. But last night was certainly one of them. All right, let's get back to Pache in a moment. But here are the numbers. The win was the Phillies' 13th win in a row on the road, matching a franchise record. They are 23-7 and seventh, It's twenty-three and seven, excuse me, since June 3rd. 
They are 48 and 39 overall, which puts them on pace for 90 wins. But if you just take the pace that they're on over the last month or two, they're going to win more than that. They are in a wild card spot as of now, and we are in that scoreboard watching that you do in the summer, looking what the Marlins do tonight, what the Dodgers, the Giants, what the Brewers do tonight. Uh, they trail the Marlins by a game and a half for the top wild card spot, um, which I, I know means something. They got for, far last year without it. Um, so uh, you and I have done this, gosh, for most of the season. Let's keep it going. As of today, Jody McDonald, as we sit here on July the 8th, what is the percentage chance that the Philadelphia Phillies will make the postseason? I'll go first because I, I'm going to save your – I know you're going to be more optimistic, so I'm going to let you back clean up here. I am today at 70% that the Phillies will make the playoffs this year. All right, that's good to hear because uh, uh, the last couple of times we've done this, you have been either at or below what Fangraph says. And uh, I think ESPN has one as well, the predict, uh, predictive algorithm of uh, number of games and stats and a little subjectivity built into it. Fangraphs was at 67 and change today, so you're at 70, which means you're slightly ahead of them. Glad to hear it. Yeah, I'm a little ahead of you, but I'm not off the charts yet either. I would be in the high 70s, 78, 79, somewhere thereabouts. I don't think I would get quite to 80 when we do the show tomorrow morning. If they get another win today, maybe I'll get to that all-important 80 number. But I'd be in the high 70s right right now, just slightly higher than you, Mac Man. Uh, That's cool. Uh, Two more games before the All-Star break today. 4 o'clock, Rangers Suarez versus Braxton Garrett. Lefty on lefty crime going on there. Tomorrow is Aaron Nola off of his best start of the season the other night against uh, Jesus Lizardo, uh, which means they get to avoid that six foot eight rookie Yuri Perez. I know he got bashed up against the Braves the other day, but I'm I'm happy to to not have to face him right now. Yeah, but they got three good pitchers. If they do well in this series, get either one of these next two or all two, and the the road winning streak continues past the All Star break, which would be phenomenal. Um, they they didn't get the underbelly of the uh, Marlins staff here. I'm a Lizardo guy. Liked him uh, way back when when he was in the Washington Nationals organization before he got traded to the A's and then eventually made his way back to the National League. I, I'm a fan of his game, Garrett. I give him credit. Garrett would be the kind of guy that you'd like to see Dave uh, Dombrowski go out and get at the All-Star break. Uh, not a uh, not a top-of-the-line pitcher, not someone you're going to have to give up one of your best prospects for, but someone you'd have confidence if you had to give the ball 15 times in the second half of the season to try and help get you home as a fifth starter. That's the type of pitcher he is. Now, the Marlins aren't going to give him to you. I'm not suggesting that yeah, yeah, he should call tomorrow. I'm, t- I'm talking about the type of pitcher that he is. A solid Nothing spectacular about him, but uh, they're, they're, they're not uh, getting lucky and getting the Marlins' fifth starter here. So uh, if if they win this series, if they uh, get either one of these next two games, I think it will be a heck of a way to round out the first half of the season. And Oh, I agree. You win two out of three against the Marlins to, to close it up after all, you, know, how you swept Tampa Bay, for God's sakes. Tampa Bay was 34-10 and 10 at home. Yep. Before that series. And then you went down there and swept them. The Phillies are responsible for like a quarter of the Marlins' home losses this year. <laughs> it, it, is, it is really something. By the way, and I want to later, we'll get into, you know, trade deadline scenarios and stuff. But you mentioned, I'll just digress for a second before we get back to some other stuff. You mentioned you'd like to see him get a pitcher like Lazardo. 
not Lizardo, because Lizardo would cost. Lizardo is a legit up and coming. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, like star like, level uh, type Garrett. pitcher, Garrett yeah. today. Yeah, like Braxton Garrett. Excuse me. Um, I I don't I, I don't know that right now. If you had asked me three weeks ago, starting pitcher was my top priority for them. Now, I don't. know. Maybe we ride Chris Sanchez a little bit at the five starter. Right, and when I said that, uh, I'm, I'm here's the reason why I still would bring it up. You're right. Sanchez has done enough right now to earn himself that fifth starter spot. It can be fleeting, and he has two bad starts in a row, and everyone's going to start to scramble and say we got to upgrade there. But as of right now, I am with you and with the Phillies that he's just fine. Would you like to make a prediction that none of the Phillies' five starters will get hurt over the second half no, of this of season? No, of course not. No, no. so that's yeah. why I yeah. would suggest you go out and get yourself another arm. More of a safety net than a necessity, but the Phillies have been pretty lucky since Ranger came back. And Ranger, of course, started the year injured and has been pretty damn uh, outstanding, except for his last outing up until that point. He had been off the charts great. Um uh, Nola hasn't missed a start. Wheeler hasn't missed a start. Taiwan Walker hasn't missed a start. They've been in pretty good stead with their top three guys. At some point, you believe that the the law of averages has to catch up with you here, and they might suffer an injury, maybe just a missed start, maybe a 10-day IL stint. That's why I would still keep my eye open on the pitching market if I were Dave Dombrowski heading to the trade deadline. And we'll get into the Andrew Andrew Painter development later, which seems a little ominous for that young man. But a few things uh, really, uh, really to like here today. One of the things that people loved about last year's team was you felt it, it was a, it was a team where kind of almost like going back to those 08, 09 teams where like, hey, you know, they're down in the seven, they're down in the eight, they're never going to quit. They're going to hang in. Things don't look great, but I am not going to turn off my TV. I'm not going to leave the radio because as a fan, I think they really, they're going to keep fighting. They got a shot. And that's what you had last night. Just to digress, first caller, 815 to Howard this morning is like, this team doesn't have an identity. I don't like, oh, I can't fall. What are you kidding really? me? Yes. Yes. I can't get interested in the Phillies because they don't have an identity. Um, I mean, that is that to me, that is such a great part of it is this team is one you get the sense of. And, you know, Jody, because you've been around your whole life. You've been around Major League Baseball. You know, when a team kind of has that thing together where they work together, they don't quit. Never say die attitude. And uh, McCarthy talked about it extensively on the broadcast last night, as did Kruk. Yeah, that that if you're looking for an identity, that might be it above all others is that they don't give up. They don't quit. They don't roll over and die. They'll have bad nights. And what they're doing right now is, is both uh, uh, kind of tough to sustain, but so enjoyable when it's happening. On a given night, the offense picks it up and puts an eight or nine spot on the board, makes it easy on the pitcher, and the pitcher, because he's maybe pitching to the scoreboard, ends up giving up four or five runs. You don't worry about it because you win the game nine to six. Who cares? On a given night where the offense isn't doing it, the pitcher steps up like a Sanchez the other night and gives you shutout inning after shutout inning. They pick up each other. It can be one hero one night, one aspect one night, and the exact opposite the next. That's a pretty damn good identity to have as far as I'm concerned, Mac Man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and a big part of that, I think, comes from the manager, who may be the most boring man in the United States, but you know what? It works for him. And when you and I talked before the show, 
you wanted to get into some a couple of the specific moves that he made last night. And I will tell you that when he pulls Brandon Marsh for Pache in the ninth, um, and Brandon Marsh, I think, had two hits last night. And I know I get the matchup and all, but I'm thinking, I, I don't know, man. And so I will say at this moment, after Pache's game-winning home run, Jody, I am a dope. Rob Thompson is a genius. <laughs> um, so I, I know that I know you wanted to speak to that. I do, um, because, Glenn, you know, uh, I did the final out for years here on WIP, and I've been doing post-game shows, other stations, just going through it in my mind after games since I was just a wee little lad coming from Shea Stadium with my father in the car on the way home. Why did they do, why did they do that? It just amazes me that – when a manager makes a debatable decision, and last night bringing Jeff Hoffman into the game, when you've got most of your bullpen guys ready to go, give you an outing, give you an inning if you need it, guys who have been in more high-leverage situation, he went to Hoffman. They were trailing in the game at the time, 3-1. Usually go to your high-leverage guys when it's either even or if you're ahead. So he goes to Hoffman, and Hoffman gives him two shutout innings. I remember... I think it was the Brave series about 10, 12 days ago. Tie game. He brings Hoffman in. He doesn't have it that day. He gives up a couple of runs. I was down the air that. How do you bring Hoffman into the game? Why would he think about this Hoffman guy? We've got other guys in the bullpen. Oh, call after call after call, second-guessing the manager. And Hoffman didn't get the job done for him last night. I give you that. How many calls do you think they got on WIP last night saying, and how about a tip of the cap to the manager for putting Jeff Hoffman into the game and watching him throw two shutout innings and keeping it within a reasonable margin that we could make up in the ninth inning, which is exactly what happens. I'll tell you, Glenn, it'd be next to none. When the manager gets it wrong, everybody and his brother is ready to step up and go, I would have never done that. What the hell was he thinking doing that? But when the manager gets it right, Nobody acknowledges the manager. They acknowledge the player. They acknowledge uh, Pache hitting the home run last night and his post comments and his dance on the field and his interpreter maybe giving us what he's saying, maybe not. Nobody says, hey, how about that call by Rob Thompson to put Pache up there? Glenn Macnow might not have done that, but Rob Thompson did. It just annoys the snot out of me. If you're going to second-guess the guy, go ahead and second-guess the guy. But then be a man, and when he gets it right, uh, step up and go, yeah, I don't know that I would have done that hell of a call by the skipper. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Really want to get some calls in today. It's the other one that when things are good and you get to celebrate, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, all right, let, we'll get to Hoffman in the bullpen in a minute. I do want to just have a couple more things on Pache because this is such an interesting story. He was a top prospect with the Braves, but he he just could not hit well enough to stick. Um, last year they trade him to Oakland. It was the it was the trade for Matt Olson, and mm-hmm. as far as I know, he was like the biggest piece of it, uh, going to Oakland. They thought he was going to do something. He couldn't do anything with the A's. So the worst team in baseball basically says, like, we give up on him. He gets here. He's got a 156 career batting average, and more than 300 at bat. So, you know, that's a sample size. Mm-hmm. He's a bust. He comes here, if you remember, at the very beginning of the year, it just looked like, what the heck? And since April 8th, he's, you know, he's a part-time player, and he was hurt. He's 14 for 37. It's 378, six doubles, two homers, seven RBIs in that small um, sample size. And it is a small sample size, so I I do not want to turn him into the next great thing. But i got to tell you, this looks to me like – I'll give 
credit, I believe, to two people. One, Dave Dombrowski, seeing this cast off and saying, you know what, I think we can do something with him. And second of all, uh, you got to figure Kevin Long, the hitting coach, has, has helped him along the way. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Mac. I, I almost laughed. You're right. If you're judging everything that Christian Pache has done this year, it would be a small sample size. Because, yes. number one, he got hurt. So he was out for weeks and has now come back and stepped back in and, and been a nice part-time and clutch guy for him. But you also mentioned at the beginning of the year, people are like, oh, why do we even pick this guy up? What are we talking about? Eight at-bats? Was he one for eight? Before he actually had a good game and then started turning around. You talk about sample size. People ready to uh, string up Dombrowski because this guy can't hit no go. Why? The worst team in baseball. Then why Why would we pick this guy up? Off eight at bats, they were ready to call Dave Dombrowski an idiot for picking him up. So sample size can be very relative. Here's the one thing I will say, and you, you gave the quote earlier. And I saw Pache play in the Braves minor league organization down in Florida. And, yeah, he was a top-rated prospect. My father had told me about him that uh, the Braves just flat-out loved him, and they thought he was going to be their center fielder for a decade, could fly in the outfield and uh, had a nice swing. Um, he really has put on a couple of pounds. We, we talk about this with developing young men and growing into their bodies and the like. And I watched Victor Wambanyama play after the Phillies game last night on ESPN in his first ever summer league game. He's got to put some weight on. He's a skinny kid. But so is Pache. And he does, to me, look like he's put on some nice weight. And that ball just kept going and going and going and traveling last night. Sometimes that happens with a guy. When he's coming through the system, he shows you the tools, but maybe the body hasn't caught up yet. And I'm not saying, that. oh, my God, Christian Pache is going to be the Philly center fielder for a decade like the Braves one did. But I can see a difference and a change in his body, and I just didn't think that ball was leaving the ballpark last yeah. night. No, so you good, weren't alone. <laughs> good on Christian Pache that during this time when he's struggling and doesn't even know that he's a major league player, he has stayed too. I got to build up my strength. I got to become a guy who can drive the baseball, and that's exactly what he did last night in the biggest of spots. Yeah, when organizations can find those guys, and again, I know I'm speaking of a guy who's got 37 at bats. He could go for, oh. For his next twenty, and I, you know, then all of this looks ridiculous. But those those Phillies of '07 to 2011, they they were able to, to find those castoffs, to find the. I, I don't even want to use the words because then I'm comparing them. But you know what I'm talking about? Those the the Rule Five guys they mm-hmm. got, and the guys on their third organization, and those, and it's like. Every once in a while, you find a gem with that, and maybe just maybe maybe Pache's that guy. All right. Let's do bullpen because the bullpen has been great. Uh, the night before last night, Tampa, five innings, no hits, no runs. Great. Last night, Wheeler was okay. Jody, you know, right. I'm watching the game, and they're scoring on, you know, ground outs and stuff like that. He, he, didn't, get, he didn't get rocked by any chance. But Hoffman, as you said, keeps him in the game with two really solid innings, keeping it 3-1. to one. And when you do that, you're allowing – other members of your bullpen to rest so that you can use them today and tomorrow. And Hoffman did a, just did a really nice job. And he has overall done a really nice job here this year. And again, I'm back to my same old rant. If Hoffman had given up runs and they had extended the lead, it would have been, we only got two more days before the All-Star break. Why can't they use the guys that they're – why isn't Alvarado in that game? I guarantee you those calls are coming 
But uh, the, the manager played it perfectly. He tapped the right guy who came in, got the job done, kept the other team at bay, and you give your team a chance to either score in the eighth or the ninth, and that's exactly what they did. So, yeah, and, and I like Hoffman. I remember the uh, game against the Braves I mentioned earlier where he didn't have it, got beat, lost the game, got crushed, both he and uh, the manager after the game. He had gone eight out of nine outings without giving up a run. He's done so again now. He's one of those scrap heap guys, was released at the end of spring training. Philly signed him to a uh, split contract, minor league deal, started at AAA, and then got the call up. I think you and I have discussed this before, and, and I caught it off a of broadcast, either McCarthy or Crocker, Ben Davis, or one of those guys. I don't remember which one. Um, the reason that Hoffman made it to the big league team, they really didn't have plans for him. He was AAA depth more than anything else. He came up to throw a live batting practice against Harper. That when Harper was rehabbing and coming back, they didn't want to use one of their I just guys. Got disconnected for one second. So now you're, you're are you still? I'm I'm still hearing you, Glenn. Um, uh, hopefully, I'm connected. Uh, I'm telling the story of how Hoffman made the team. He came up through the batting practice to Harper, and uh, the pitching coach was watching him and said, "Damn, this guy's got sink on his ball." How's he doing down there in Triple I? So they did a little more investigation. They said we got to keep a closer eye on him. I think he can get outs on the big league level. And sure enough, before you know it, he's called back up to the big leagues and is uh, contributing out of the bullpen for the Phillies. So uh, while I give uh, the entire organization, Dabrowski gets the lead credit because <laughs> he's the general manager and uh, he should get the credit for it. But uh, they, it wasn't like they. When they picked him up, they said, oh, we need to just send him out for two weeks, and they'll be ready to come up to the big leagues. They had no idea he was going to be able to do what he yep. ended up doing. Correct. Let's sneak a call in here. Uh, Nick in Collegeville starts us off today. Hey, Nick, how are you? Good morning, man. Good to have a duo, the duo back. Thank you, you sir. It, yeah, right? Jody, it's been a while since you and I Good got to work while, together. Right? Huh? Yes. Yeah, Good like, to be uh, back. Merry-go-round. Yeah. Uh, listen, I actually couldn't connect with the team last year for most of the season. And then when uh, – the Phillies went up to Canada last year, and JT sat home, and then mm-hmm. they interviewed him the, you know, a couple of days later when the Phillies came back home, and he said that kind of like, oh, it's just – he said something really demeaning and to, to me. I just found put-offish. So I really couldn't connect with this team till till last year when he finally got to the postseason and started making a run. This team this year, I, I mean, you have Nicky Cast that – just Nicky Castellanos that really started hot and Marsh started hot and Stott started hot. Like, even though there was injury at first base and, and, and Bryce was hurt, like, there's so much more personality on this team. Like, I, I really love this team a lot more. Who knows? They might not even make the playoffs, right? You know, we're at 70% with you, uh, Glenn, and slightly higher for you, uh, Jody. But I just feel like I'm a little more connected to this team. And, a lot of fun and to watch. much more fun. Yeah. I will say this, uh, and Nick, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Because we, we got to hit a break here quickly, Jody. One of the reasons I think they're more fun to watch is because I just think baseball is more fun to watch. That the games are quicker, and it's and it moves fast. And the Phillies, they're listen, they're an exciting team, and they do a lot of things well. But I think part of the reason is that baseball is more fun. Mm, you're probably right for most people, and I like the fact that it does move along. But I got to believe that nobody with the A's is saying, yeah, you know, these games are good. They're, they're over quick. The pain well, that is, is the best part the of those The pain games. is not as significant as it could be. They're the worst team in baseball. 
no, I would say the outcome is about 90% of it. You want to hit a little 10% it's going quicker? Yeah. yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah that's the, in Oakland, it's, oh, man, that, that's it. what a terrible situation. All right, uh, 215-592-9494. Uh, coming up at 11, we're going to talk to Alex Coffey. does a great job covering the Phillies for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Kyle Newbeck of Philly Voice is going to join us at noon to kind of get an update on what, if anything, is going on with the Sixers these days. Uh, we have a great what we're watching today. I know Jody is uh, just wrapping up one of my favorite shows, and I got a new British cop series to recommend. And before this hour ends, Jody McDonald, producer Dan Wilson and I are going to challenge you to become part of the latest play-it-on-your-cell-phone 10-minutes-a-day game craze, which, Dan, you can back me up on this. I can think of nobody who probably would be more would be better at this game than Jody McDonald. Did, did you say do it on your cell phone? Yeah. Okay. I I, I, I don't do anything on my phone. You can do it on your computer. Well, you yeah, that's what I did. You, you, you asked me to check it out before the show started. I did. I did it on my computer. And I'll, uh, yeah, no, you can do it on I'll your I'll give computer. you my review. All right, we'll do that at ten forty-five. Because I, I and Dan, are, Dan, are you with us? I think this is a Jody Mac thing. I, this this feels like a Jody Mac thing, and I feel it like you get a pretty good rarity score too. I think Jody would be as good as anybody we know at this, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mac. Now Saturday morning on ninety four WIP. Greg Murphy last night down in uh, Miami. Scott Fransky gets a couple days vacation. Murph fills in. Murph does everything. And does it well for the Phillies. <laughs> Jody, your guy, Alec Bohm, baby. A um, couple great defensive plays Friday against the Rays. 19 RBIs in his last 20 games. Hit 320 over the month. I have never been as big on Bohm as you because I always wanted power out of my third baseman. But I, I mean, I, I can't complain about production when he's on pace for over 100 RBIs. And he's still not hitting the home runs that either you or I want. And maybe he'll have a break. He's doing everything else except for hitting home runs this year, playing uh, so much upgraded defense. What was uh, your ex-partner, uh, uh, Ray Dinger's uh, Oh, the Corner Butchers, for, yeah. The Corner Butchers at first <laughs> God, and that was third one of the for the Philadelphia nicknames. Phillies. Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. That's why I continue to give uh, Mr. Dinger credit for it. And it was accurate. It wasn't like he was just making it up or being Mr. Negativity. They were both bad. Now, for me, Hoskins was worse, but Bohm was not good at third base. And last year he became close to average. And this year, and he's doing it going back and forth between first and third, which isn't easy. That's what major leaguers need to do. You have to be, if you can, if they're going to train you for it, if they're going to expect it from you, you got to be able to do it, move back and forth. Doesn't make it easy. And Bohm is doing spectacularly at it at both positions. He's certainly an upgrade at first base over Hoskins. Oh, yeah. And he's playing better third base than even he did last year when he had raised his uh, fielding capabilities from the previous year. So Alex is, Alec is checking a lot of boxes. All right. I'm a little short on my home run prediction on him. But as long as he's clutch and getting these big hits and delivering these runs, he's playing on a team with Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper and uh, Castellanos and JT Realmuto, and he leads them in RBIs batting in the seven or the eight hole. That's telling you something. That's flat-out clutch, 
and that's what Boehm has been all year for the Phillies. I'll tell you the other guy that I'm really impressed with, and I um, just continue to think more and more that this kid's going to be a star, which is which is Bryson Stott, um, who looks to me like he's he he could be a 300 hitter. He's he's got that line drive kind of approach to it. He sprays the ball all around. He's working counts really well. Uh, there's a good pitch that, you know, a lot of guys are going to strike out on. He kind of fouls it off, spoils it, keeps the at-bat going. I really like his two-strike approach, which you don't see that much in baseball, or I should say you haven't seen over the last 10 years in baseball, which is guys just, you know, swing as hard as they can on two strikes. Um, he's I, I, I He leads the major leagues in two-out hits. Really? Uh, I did had, not well, know that. Has, wow, that's let, a great let me put it, I'm sorry. Let me clarify. Let me clarify. He's led the major league in two strike hits since the end of April. So I okay. guess May, May, June into July, he leads the That's league in two strike good. hits. Still, yeah, it really is good. Um, he, he's certainly a more than capable second baseman. Um, I, I, on a team with a lot of big names with a lot of big contracts, he's the guy you can overlook, and I like him. I will say that I would like to see him play every day. I don't need to see. Josh Harrison or whatever out there more. Yeah, I know. I'm criticizing the manager. There you go. You're getting on the manager's case. How's right. it going? Hey. He's he's leading Major League Baseball with two strike hits over the last three months, and you want to tinker with what he's doing? No, I want to leave him in. Is all I'm saying. I, I'm no my. I'm taking a little bit of a criticism at the manager after we talked about. Right, how good the I'm talking is. about the manager. What, what, why yeah. wouldn't you keep doing what you're doing with Stott if it's working to the level that you just ran by? Because I think Stott is. I think Stott's a hundred and sixty game a season kind of guy. That's it. I mean, it's a small quibble. I'm not. I'm I was going to say, how many games has he not started? I don't know. Six, seven? I don't, just, I don't know. Out of I, 80? I, it's not like uh, every third game he's sitting down. He sits him down once every 10 games. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, I love Stott, and I think Stott's really is really looking good. And um, the other the thing about Thompson that I like, because I don't always agree with specific moves, and listen, that's as a fan, that's part of your – joy as a fan uh, as a fan is to say like you know why the heck did Kotite do this why in the world is is uh, Doc Rivers running that offense so I, I reserve the right to do it sure. as much as I like Rob Thompson but what I like about Rob Thompson is his calm when sure. they weren't playing well those first 60 games or so a lot of managers would have blown a gasket. I mean, certainly it was, you know, it was it was a, probably the downfall of Joe Girardi. Rob Thompson keeps his cool. Rob Thompson, uh, we'll talk to Alex Coffey, by the way, in the 11 o'clock hour. She's in that clubhouse every day. But when I, when I hear the people who are there every day, they say one of the great strengths of Rob Thompson is he talks to every player in the clubhouse. He has a relationship with every single guy. They know where they stand. They know what they need to do. They know – he knows when they're down how to go and talk to them and keep them going. And, again, Jody, you've been around baseball your whole life. You know how important it is for the manager to know the personalities and manage the, the clubhouse more so than manage the field. It was a great strength of Charlie Manuel. Charlie Manuel I never thought was a brilliant strategic manager, but Charlie Manuel was a guy who kept a clubhouse of highly paid big egos – happy for whatever six seven years a couple of things number one on your last point um 
I would say this team, even more so than that great five-year run that they had under Charlie Manuel, plays or at least shows it both in the way they play and how they handle themselves in the dugout with a little bit more emotion. And that's why a manager keeping an uptick, up-tempo on a team that's going to play like that, that is going to rely on emotions and uh, being uh, revved up and, and celebrating with each other, it's even more important. And Rob Thompson provides that for this Philly team. The other team had more inherent talent, and Chase Utley was never a rah-rah type guy. He played with emotion on the field, but you never saw him uh, uh, putting a hat on in the dugout after hitting a home run or anything like that. <laughs> he was not the straw hat. No, he was not at no. all. So, so two different types of winning Philly teams, and the managers fit both of them perfectly, Charlie for that squad and Rob Thompson for this one. Here's the other one I want to run by you, Mr. I reserve the right to question the manager every once in a while. I saw this stat. I'd heard it earlier. I saw it uh, updated on uh, my buddy, your buddy, everybody's buddy, uh, Boop Stats. Bob Vitrone puts oh, out terrific. great stats on Twitter. Yeah. Kyle Schwarber as the leadoff hitter for the Philadelphia Phillies. And he had a game last week. I think he was 0 for 6 in the leadoff spot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but the Phillies won. He was 0 for 6, but the Phillies won. And invariably, over my two nights each week, Monday, Tuesday, I'll get at least one. Why is Kyle Schwarber still leading off call? Would you like to take a guess? Over the two years that Schwarber's been here, now a year and change, what the Phillies' record is with Kyle Schwarber batting leadoff? Um, uh, how many games? I'll give you games. 175 yeah. games. I will say they're uh, 101 and 74. 103 and 72. Well, there you go. Pretty That's good. 31 really good. games over 500. Would you like to guess in 82 games what their record is when Kyle Schwarber doesn't bat lead off but is somewhere else in the lineup? Third, okay, so he's in the lineup. He's not on he's the bench. He's in okay. the lineup. He's not batting clean up. 82 games. 38 and 44. 38 and 44 is exactly right. Ooh. They're below 500, six games below 500 when Kyle Schwarber plays and bats somewhere else in the lineup. But when he bats leadoff, they're 103 and 72. How do you think about taking him out of the top of the order? Even I, if on a given game yeah. he goes 0 for 5, he strikes out twice, blah, 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 doesn't statistically get the job done that day. But the Phillies win the game. Why would you even think about moving him out of the top of the order? It is difficult for me to see him as a leadoff hitter, but two things. One, per your argument, I cannot quibble with success. Mm -hmm. I can't say this is working and I want to stop it because it doesn't look right to me. It doesn't look right to me, but I I can read results and I respect results. And two, um, I don't have, you know, that – 300 hitter who's going to draw walks and steal bases to bat leadoff. I thought it was going to be Trey Turner going into the season. Trey Turner has not had that year, so I have I have no reason to change it. There are nights when I see Schwarber batting leadoff, and I think this makes no sense. But I gotta you, you go with what works. You and I are on the. Does exact it make sense to page. you? Oh, absolutely. When when they acquired Turner, I said, all right, well at least this will end the Schwarber leading off debate because Turner's got a bat leadoff. 
but he didn't talk about getting off to a bad start, and he's picked it up of late, and I think he's better suited right now. Doesn't mean he can't do it again down the road, bat leadoff, but he's getting the job done in the two-hole. It's working. Don't screw with it. We were talking earlier about sample size. I just gave you a 175-game sample. That's more than an entire year, and they are 103-72 and 72 in games that he bats leadoff. Yeah. You don't fool with success. No, you sure don't. You sure don't. Tom in Downingtown wants to talk about Schwarber. Tom, what are you thinking? Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey there. Hey, um, you, you know, this this really is a conundrum for me because I, I, I agree. You know, I can't argue with the stats that Jody just gave. But I just I saw another stat last week, and I'm going to get this wrong. Maybe you guys can help me with this. It was something like as a defensive left fielder, in oh, addition to the fact that he's literally the worst defensive fielder in the major leagues, he's something like minus 14 runs. Well, it was minus 16 I, I, the last time I saw it. Well, I, how do you calculate I, that? Well, it is it is to a degree judgmental, right? Defensive mm-hmm. stats are not like offensive stats, which is a guy hits a double. It is literally a double. Defensive stats, there is a degree of subjectivity in it. I actually don't know who calculates that. But they have range factors, and it is, you know, the, this ball should be in the range of a normal left fielder. That's it's the easiest way I, I can explain it. I think yeah. we can agree, Tom, that our eyes tell us he's a dreadful left fielder. Well, and I'll tell you, Glenn, you know, I was at the game on Sunday where they credited Marsh with an error on a play that honestly I thought actually it happened twice in the game. And he only got an error once where he had to, like, cover extra field because mm-hmm. Schwarber can't get over there. Yeah. You know, so, I, you know, yeah, Marsh got credited with the error, but I thought that was really Schwarber's ball. At least that's what the eye told me from right field where I was watching. I just, you know, I don't know what to do with this guy. I'd really like to see the Phillies, in addition to getting a pitcher, getting a left fielder and maybe moving Schwarber to – Pinch hitting. I just, I, I it's just, it's well, you driving can't move me nuts. to pinch hitting because I know, his offense is productive. But I hear you. So some of this, you, um, you go ahead, one more. Yeah. You, I was just going to say, do you realize, I was just thinking about this the other day, that if Major League Baseball was still playing the shift, he'd probably be batting 150 right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Jody, so much of this plays into whether or not Bryce Harper is going to be able to play first base. Absolutely. And here's my no, here's no my idea. hope. Uh, yeah, you and I haven't done a show in a while, so I've talked about this. Uh, uh, I, I think last week when I filled in for Glenn Mack now, when you were off, and yeah, Mike Sealski and I got a chance to do the show together. My hope is that Harper can get back into the outfield. If he starts at first base, so be it. If they think that that will put less strain on his arm. If you're throwing from left field, it, by the way, if you got a uh, ground ball to first base, you got to turn, spin, try and make that double three, double play throw to second, you're going to throw that a hell of a lot harder than any throw you're going to make from left field. So I, I, I would debate the amount of pressure you're putting on your arm on first base as compared to uh, left field. And he can cover ground. He's got no issues with his, with his wheels, so... Uh, I don't know why it's all important for them to get him at first base unless they think he's going to be their first baseman for the next decade, which I'd prefer not to do, but uh, I'm getting uh, adrift here. I I hope he can get back into the outfield. And I think Harper's the kind of guy that even though he's been a right fielder for years now, playing left won't be a demotion in his eyes 
that he'll know they're doing it because where well, you actually got to do to make a throw is a ball in the corner all the way down to third base. Now, now you're gearing up to make a long throw. That is pressure on the arm. So you just have him in left field. Let him get some time out there. That way you're, you're not worrying about moving two or three guys to get Schwarber to the DH spot. You're just putting Harper in left, and Schwarber becomes your everyday DH. Top of the hour, we'll ask Alex Coffey about that because it does make a lot of sense to me as well. We'll get calls coming up. Neil, hang in there. And when we get back, producer Dan Wilson and I are going to try to get Jody Mack to become part of the latest waste 10 minutes of your time a day game. This one, which focuses on uh, Jody's specialty, baseball trivia. 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now, Saturday morning, 94 WIP. Philadelphia baseball, PGA Tour, MMA, pro soccer, tennis, and more. Join me and download the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app right now. The only sportsbook app that I play with and I recommend. Plus, the Bet Parks Casino app follows you everywhere. Down the shore, up to the mountains. Get in on the action all summer long, whether you're on the beach, a boat, or the boardwalk. Bet while you're on the lake in the Poconos. Bet Parks has you covered. It's all right there in the palm of your hands. Bet slots, games, and more. Check out the live game, in-game betting stuff. Make a smart bet to start the game. Maybe double down on it. They offer same-game parlays, teasers, and much, much more. Bet on more than the score. Player props. If you're talking home runs, if you're talking baseball, hits, home runs, strikeouts. Could be a good strikeout day for Ranger today. I'm just saying. All new users. Never played with Parks before. Make that first bet. You make $10. If you win it, how about $125 in the sportsbook bonus? If your first bet's a winner, a win-win situation. We're all looking for win-win situations. I'm giving you one with the Bet Park Sportsbook app. All right, Jody McDonald. I will admit to you at this moment that I waste a lot of my time every day. I, I am not as productive as I ought to be. Um, I wake up way too early, but I wake up early. And um, uh, literally, I feed the cat, I make the coffee, I spend 10 minutes doing the Wordle every day. I know you you are aware of the Wordle. You do not do this, correct? Partake, no. Okay. But I've heard you you talk about it. You know what it is. You seem, let me think if I can come up with the right phrase. Obsessed with Wordle? Would would that be a good descriptive adjective? Well, I mean, I've got a, I mean, I got a streak of like 284 days, so. Yeah, that would figure into obsessed for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in a Wordle league with my cousin. A league? You're in a league? Get the F out of here. Oh, wait, Glenn, I didn't know you were in a league. Well, here's, this is what the, this word means, a league. My cousin chooses a different word that we start with every day as opposed to, you know, a do or everybody starts with the same word. So he chooses a different word every day, and we all have to start with that word, and then we all share the results and, like, oh, you got it in three, you got it in four. That's it. We don't keep score, but we don't keep I was just saying, are there standings? Are you in the wild no, card no chase? Or? No, no, no. There's, no, there's trophies. Is, is there yeah. an award at the end no. of this season? Are you the MVP? No, uh, yeah. no, no, no. 284, no, but, that might be more impressive than DiMaggio. My God. Well, whatever. But but we, um, but we, it makes it more fun when you start with a different word every day because it gets less boring. Anyway, that's not my point. I do oral every day. I do the New York Times spelling bee, like on my first cup of coffee, which is not a spelling bee like you did in fifth grade. It's a thing where basically um, you have to make words of four letters or more out of the seven letters that you get every day. Okay, so again, stupid, but I do it every single day, and and I do it until I reach a certain level of the game. I am in a thing called the learned. Hmm? Okay. 
I'm in a thing called the Learned League, which is a national trivia league. Actually, uh, competing against Anthony Sanfilippo now. You got league. way too much time on your hands. I do. I have way too much time on my hands. I spent this is like an hour, okay? And then the last thing I do, which is something that uh, our pal Jack Fritz got me into, is a new thing, relatively new, called the Immaculate Grid. And uh, I'm going to let Dan explain what this is because you are as obsessed as I am. Yes. So the Immaculate Grid, Jody, you said you did click on this? Yes. Okay. So as you saw, the Immaculate Grid, uh, for instance, I'm looking at today's blank grid. I'm looking at it on the computer here in the studio, but I already completed this on my phone. Glenn completed his on his phone. Basically, it's kind of like baseball bingo in in a sense. Like the first, you know, the top left box is... Uh, Oakland A's crossed with Pittsburgh Pirates. So to satisfy that answer, you have to come up with a player that played for both the Oakland A's and the Pittsburgh Pirates. And then the box immediately below that is Oakland A's and San Francisco Giants. And you have to come up with a player that played for both the Oakland A's and the Giants. Then so on. You have Pirates, Blue Jays, three Giants. Three by three. Yeah, three Giants, Blue Jays. Uh, it's a three by three grid. And there's also right. sometimes awards uh, or accomplishments that get factored in here. For instance, the bottom row today is a 20-plus win season for a pitcher. And the other row is MVP, so someone who won the MVP or had 20-plus wins uh, for that particular team. So that is how this grid works. There's obviously, unlike Wordle, where there's one particular answer every day, there could be a thousand different answers that work for any different square. Uh, And certain guys like, you know, Glenn and I, one of our favorite guys is Edwin Jackson because he pitched for like 20 different teams. Right. And he works for – but you can only use one particular player per day. Edwin Jackson to to the middle, to the left, to the right – yeah, he's a good well, you player. can only use him in one square. You can only use him yes. once oh, per day. You can only once use per day. him once per day. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did but not Ed, know Edwin that. Jackson, he's he's up at least a couple times a week. Also, remember, it's an old time guy, but a guy named Tommy Davis played for like fourteen major league clubs. So I always sure. work him in there. So Dan and I thought because we we do it and we actually share results every day that this would be like right up Jody Max Alley. So I did send it to you this morning, and I'm just curious: a if you did it, if you liked it. And how you did? A, I did it. B, it was aight. Do I think I'm going to do it for the next 285 days? I'm guessing there's going to be a day or two in there in the next month, maybe two weeks, maybe tomorrow. I don't know where I miss it, but it was it was fun. I, you I, do it again. I picked up on it. Yes, I would absolutely do it again, but I won't like make a mental note that yeah, I that must is, do it by nine thirty-seven every uh, morning. All right. uh, you don't have to point out that I'm a loser to discuss that. <laughs> Jody, I know Jody, that I am. It drops every night at midnight. So when I'm produ- producing you on the, on the really? Monday, you Tuesday show. So you could do it right at 12.01 or at 12.15. Oh, you guys can do it together. Jesus. Hey, there's a segment, guys. There's a no, segment. The 12 gonna, segment. No, 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 no. That will not be happening. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> All right. So, okay. so I got it. I punched it up. I understood it pretty. And I guess, did they put the uh, directions up every day? No, well, they what, just change the teams every day and and change the awards right, every day. Because this was uh, maybe it uh, follows as per your computer or the device you're punching it up on. They gave me directions as to how it plays today. Oh. I think what Jody's talking about, like the very first time you play it, it gives you yeah, a, yeah, like yeah. a dummy no, list. Like here's yeah, how it works. Right. That. So I got that today and I read through it. I said, all right, I think I can comprehend this. So I did take it, and I got eight out of nine right. Oh, that's not bad for first time. Which one did I? I which one did you miss? I'll tell you the one I missed. I missed Toronto Blue Jays twenty game winner. Me too. Me too. 
I put Dave Steve. Dave I was Steve. Sure Dave That's Steve exactly who I put in. Exactly yes. right. Never. <laughs> Never did. I guess I. Well, Halliday's the safest. I would say I got it with Halliday. So Ooh, the how other did I aspect, not pick a Halliday? Shame on me. The other aspect of a Jody is. You can just fill out the names that occur to you, or you can go for what's called the rarity score, which is the more obscure the name you put in. You see, when you put in the name, it gives you the percentage of people who yes. had that same answer. So the lower you get of that, again, if you feel competitive, the better. I had like, a couple um, easy ones, and I had a couple of rare ones. Uh, do you want me to tell you who I took? Well, let's do it together. So A's Pirates, uh, who'd you have? Dave Parker. Okay. What percentage was that? Nine. I had Phil Garner, 0.5. Wow. Well, I, that's I had, good. I had a 0.6 on Joe Blanton. Oh, Joe Blanton. Did Bl- oh, Blanton Pirates. I forgot about that. Uh, A's Giants. I had Vita Blue was 5%. Oh, I had Vita Blue. This is one where I could have run into you can't use them twice and could have screwed it up. Oh, yeah. Because I, I had Dave Kingman. Which was 0.5%. Ooh, Ooh, good work. I had a 1% on Rajay Davis. There you go. All right, we'll just do one more because we don't have to give everybody our whole thing. Here, here's the one that I'm, I'm proud of because I went old, old-time baseball from, like, reading books as I was growing up. Who did you have for 20-game winner and MVP, the bottom right square? Yeah, Justin Verlander. That one I knew for sure. What would you get on that? 38. Yeah, what would you have? I also had Verlander, same guy. I had, and again, it's because when I was a kid, I read, like, Major League Legends and stuff. Hal Newhouser. Hal Newhouser. 0.7. He's, so. he's the answer to a great trivia question of guys who won MVPs in back-to-back seasons. Right. He's the only pitcher that won the most valuable player right. award back-to-back seasons. Hal that Newhouser. Was in, that was in the book. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I remember from the book. That's how I got to use him. Anyway, it is a lot of fun. Uh, I'm glad that you enjoyed it, Jody. I know you're not a, a meticulous game player, but, no. but maybe you'll do it. But I'll do it every once in a while if I think of it. Absolutely. Yeah, this was fun. I will tell you there's also a hockey one that I tried. Yeah, you can keep the hockey. It's so. It's, today, I'm guessing hockey's harder. Hockey's really – because, yeah. like, yesterday was Columbus Blue Jackets, and, like, I can't tell you who played for the Blue Jackets and the Bruins. But today uh, the Flyers was one of it, so I, I – I did well on that one. Good so. for you. Jody, Flyers you might like Cal- the, There's a basketball one, too. You might like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm sure it's Oh, hoops, I'd give a shot. There I'll send go. it to you in the break. Okay. okay. Anyway, there you go. More stupidity and fun. Uh, go to immaculategrid.com, and you, too, can be losers like us. Uh, when we get back, Alex Coffey, the Philadelphia Inquirer, will join us, and uh, we'll get your calls as well throughout the day. We're up until 1 o'clock today. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. Bring on the summer heat with huge savings when you replace your old, inefficient windows and doors with the great people at Guida Door and Window. Right now, Guida is offering the best discounts of the year with the big 40% off summer sales event on all expertly installed windows and doors. You got drafty windows you've been meaning to replace? Well, you receive 40% off each window you buy. Yes, 40% off all high-performance, energy-efficient, triple-pane windows. Maybe you need new doors. 
guide has got you covered there as well with 40% off all high-quality entry doors, patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Plus, you can start your project with no money out of pocket and pay it off interest-free for up to 12 full months. Don't let these incredible savings pass you by. Go guide right now so you can take advantage of these limited-time savings. All prior sales excluded. Offer expires July 31st. Call Guide It today. Schedule free. In-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guide or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A dot com. Well, it was, and that's uh, Greg Murphy and a little bit of Kevin Stalker there as uh, you hear the end of last night's game. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack. Now, we are joined by Alex Coffey, the terrific baseball Phillies uh, writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Alex, before we get to all the important stuff about the game and the team and where it's going and so on, we need to know. Uh, do you play the Immaculate Grid every day? <laughs> I don't, but I have plenty of people in my life trying to mind me for information to play <laughs> Immaculate Grid. So, um, yeah, I'll get like a random text. Like I went to, um, I get random text messages about it. I went to a wedding with my boyfriend a couple of weeks ago, and his friends were like, "Do you know anyone who played for the Braves and the Marlins?" And like, what do you? <laughs> Like I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a sicko like you guys are. So no, uh, I, um, I, I don't play. And I've actually asked around um, the clubhouse, and it doesn't. I was surprised to hear that it doesn't seem like a lot of the players have caught on to it, uh, have caught on to it yet. But I'm sure that they will. It's more point. of a sports writer thing than a player thing. And I will tell you that you can now expect my texts usually at <laughs> nine in the morning for similar mining similar information. <laughs> um, that game last night was uh, really a lot of fun and just had a, a great ending. I know um, uh, baseball beat people always love uh, when games change right at the end, although the <laughs> deadlines, the, the games end so much earlier. But one of the things, and you wrote about this, that really is fun to watch is even as Brandon Marsh is taken out for Christian Pache, there is a relationship between those two guys in which you saw Marsh was the guy lugging the big jug of water, pouring it out, celebrating. Talk a little bit about how a guy who gets taken out for a pinch hitter in the ninth, he's not bitter about it. He's delighted for his pal. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's a real key. You know, this is one example of, like, a largest friend on this team is just kind of a selflessness. I mean, you see guys like Garrett Stubbs and Josh Harrison who don't get a lot of playing time in their – you know, whenever they have a win like they had last night, those are the guys that are, like, pacing around the dugout at the top railing, freaking out for their teammates. So um, there are countless examples of that throughout the roster of just that selflessness. But in, in the case of Marsh and Pache, I remember seeing, you know, fans speculating whether or not they were motivating each other, kind of this, like, healthy competition. And I talked to them about it after the game and um, – and they actually said that they were they had been fans of each other for a long time because they played against each other in the minor leagues and they're both kind of defense first guys. You know the bats didn't come right away, um, and it, they were fans of each other to the point where they were looking up. Marsh was looking up Pache's um, like defensive highlights on YouTube at night to learn how to play, like how, how it shaped his own defense basically. So um, so when the Phillies signed him, he was thrilled. He didn't see it as you know, I'm going to get less playing time or anything like that. He sees it more. He says he sees it more as a partnership. And um, it's just one spotlight on, I, I think, like a larger trend with this team that's helped them have success. 
Alex, Jordy Mac here. You can be rest assured I won't be sending you a text about a Mac and a grid because <laughs> if I can't get it myself, I'm not going to bother you to get it for me. So uh, <laughs> wait on Glenn's. Don't wait on mine. Different perspective because Glenn and I talked about this at the top of the show. Uh, we played the radio call. I heard the TV call last night on the Pache home run. Mm-hmm. When it left the bat, I thought, ooh, that could get over the center fielder's head. Then I was like, damn, he's going to catch it. Then it was like, holy mackerel, it's out of the park. I had a complete bad read on it off TV. What did you see when the ball left the bat in the stadium watching down from the press box? Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was like a coin flip, you know. I, I really wasn't sure. I thought there was a chance he might snatch it right over the wall. Um, and we asked Thompson after the game, and he said he didn't know it was going to go out, but that Kevin Long knew it was going to go out. I, I don't know. It seems like everyone had a different – different perspective on <laughs> different read on it um but uh but yeah it's just it's hard to see our press box up there is pretty like pretty far away from the action pretty high up so it's kind of hard to see anything from up there but um but yeah i'd say it was a coin flip one of the uh, one of the things that's really been working for this team is the bullpen, uh, which has not allowed mm-hmm. a game a run in nine games. And I mean, you're getting stuff from Huffman and Junior Marte and guys uh-huh. that I just thought were random guys before the season. Matt Strom, they give him a week off. He comes back, the fastball's back. He's throwing like the back end of a bullpen guy. Um, let's talk about who gets credit for that and how they do. Is, is it, uh, and it, by the way, the answer certainly can be all of the above. Is, is it Caleb Cotham? Is it Dave Dombrowski? Is it, uh, wh- what do you see as this, the reasons for this bullpen coming together? I really see Caleb Cotham and Brian Kaplan, um, their pitching coaches as the reason. I mean, this place is, Philly has basically become a place where pitchers can look to, revitalize their careers, which is a crazy thing to say um, <laughs> at this point. But but if you look, you know, through this list of names, Marte, Hoffman, um, Christopher Sanchez even, um, you know, they've been able to tweak things, make suggestions, like even help with like their mental game, like anything to kind of unlock the best versions of themselves. I'd say the only pitcher that we really haven't seen that um, consistent change from the season has been Nola. Um, but, you know, other than that, you look up and down the, you know, whether it's their bullpen or their starters, and it seems like the pitching staff has been able to unlock something with virtually all of them. So, um, so yeah, I'd say Caleb Coffin and Brian Kaplan are the forces behind that. Let's stick with pitching, and I know it's all pretty darn good right now, and I don't want to be the bearer of bad tidings, but Yesterday, we did get a bad report on Andrew Painter that the Phillies are shutting him down for now. No further details. They're going to have an MRI done again. Um, Rob Thompson talking about it yesterday. I would say wasn't upbeat. Uh, Reading between the lines, Alex, have we seen the last of Andrew Painter for 2023? It's so hard. I mean, you know, it's so hard, especially with these guys that are so young. He's 20. He's still growing. You know, it's like impossible to predict anything without seeing um seeing what these test results say but i do know that they're not going to be reckless with him um and you know he's a boris boris client boris is protective of his clients i doubt that boris is going to let them be reckless with him even if they wanted to which they don't Mm -hmm. so um if i had to guess i'd probably say yeah but you know it's, it's just my personal take on the situation just because that you know 
I don't think that they want to risk anything with a 20-year-old kid. Um, so. So how might that impact things moving uh, into the trade deadline? I, I don't know that they were going to trade Painter, but maybe they would be more willing to trade Abel or McGarry, the other real good prospects they have, and now given Painter's uncertain future, maybe they're not. Do you? Let's, let's start talking about the trade deadline, what you think they might seek and what you think they might have to spend. Yeah, I don't think that they were ever going to trade Painter. Um, and... As far as like priorities shift, I, I personally don't think that their priorities are going to shift that much based on this news. I think that their their main need is still finding a power bat. Um, you know, ideally someone that can play left, someone that can play left field. You know, so that when Harper eventually moves to first base, um, you can move Shorber into the DH spot and fill someone in. You know, plug someone in the outfield. Um, so. In my mind, the glaring need at this point is power. You know, they haven't, this team was built to slug and they haven't slugged the way that they were built to. So I really don't think that it's going to change the priorities that much. Um, And now, you know, who knows what Christopher Sanchez is going to do over the next few weeks or months, but that this starter spot has settled down. I think he has like a two something ERA over his last four starts. He's not walking a lot of guys. Not going to blow you away, but he's getting the job done, um, and I think that they have faith in him. So, so that kind of calms things down too. They're not running a bullpen game out there, you know, burning through their bullpen every five days. So, so yeah, I think that they'd probably like hear offers on starters around the league, but I don't think that it changes the priority. If that makes sense. You mentioned uh, getting Schwarber into the DH spot when and if Harper goes to first base. Is that other left fielder potentially the guy who hit the home run in the bottom of the ni- top of the ninth inning that lifted to the Phil's 4-3 win? Is Pache one of those guys you fear the more you play him, the more you might see, where more is less? Uh, yeah. You want to stay yeah. with what you have? Uh, the, the, acquiring another outfielder is something that the Phillies are at least considering, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe. Um, they, he's made a lot of strides with, like, at the plate, working with Kevin Long. He's moving his head left. They've simplified his swing. He's staying back. So, um, so he's worked really hard on that side. But you're right. I mean, over exposing him to pitchers, you don't know how that's going to play out. Um, right now, he's splitting playing time with Marsh. So, um, so yeah, I'm not sure exactly. You know, I can't say definitively if they would do that, but I definitely think it's an option um, worth considering. But, One more. I mean, again, you look at, like, guys, just to go off that point, you look at guys like um, Edmundo Sosa, right, who wasn't getting a ton of regular playing time last year. He's gotten more playing time this year, and he's struggled um, at the plate. So I think that that could kind of be like a cautionary tale in a way. You know, obviously they don't want that kind of situation. I always remember Charlie Manuel once uh, telling me there's a lot of guys who can play Major League Baseball. There aren't a lot of guys who can ma- play Major League Baseball every day. And I think, yeah. I think so- Sosa's like one of those guys. Um, just one more I want to ask you about, and I did not know when Craig Kimbrell was coming here it was going to be the 2016 Craig Kimbrell. Um, how he, yeah. Yeah. you know, if you look what he did over the last three or four years, he he had some really rough years. Um, but he has come in now. Hold on, because I had wrote these numbers down. He had a 585 ERA through May, 
Since then, 17 games, 17 innings, 25 strikeouts to three walks, seven saves, 2-0 record, ERA of 0-53. Um, I mean, I trust him now, you know, like like you trust trusted Brad Lidge that year. I did not see it at the start of the year. What has happened? How has this thing turned around so well? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, he um, he was left off the Dodgers postseason roster last season. You know, I mean, that's how little faith they had <laughs> they had in him. Um, and again, it's just it's just a testament to um, to Caleb Cotham and the work that he's done with Kimbrel. Um, I talked to him. My memory on this is a little bit hazy because I talked to him about like a month and a half, about a month ago. But um, he did say that he made like a slight mechanical change, um, not something that was that would be like noticeable to to us, but is noticeable to him. That helped him. Um, that helped him and like spiked up his below a little bit. So um, so that's been that's been working for him. But. Um, yeah, again, another testament to the pitching staff being able to unlock something from a pitcher in his mid-30s who <laughs> I don't think people were very optimistic about when they signed him. Last one for me, and I know I'm going to be sounding like the, uh, the the old man get off the, off the lawn. Why is Dylan Covey <laughs> still here? Uh, everything's going well. The bullpen's getting the job done. Mac just ran out some great stats there on how they've been untouchable. Well, maybe one of the reasons is because Dylan Covey hasn't come in to pitch. Why is he still on this team, Alex? Yeah, I mean, I, like, the people that make these decisions, I'm going to, like, emphasize that the people that make these decisions are so much smarter than me, and this might just be above my head, but when I look at the Dylan Covey situation, I think of Noah Song. And I think of how, you know, the Phillies need to figure out what they want to do with him by, you know, the end of the month, they can figure out if they want to, like, save a roster spot, a spot in their bullpen for him. And the hesitancy has been about saving a spot for a pitcher that won't be getting a lot, you know, if any, playing time right now. You're you're just trying to protect him. And Dylan Covey has pitched, I think, like, six times in the last five weeks if I'm doing my you know what I mean like it's basically the same thing um you know song song would be like a more extreme version of that but like obviously these these roster spots are coveted um you know you don't want to waste a roster spot but in my mind like whenever I think of the Dylan Covey situation I think immediately like I go to song who's a guy that has a lot of upside a guy that they're really excited about um you know he's definitely an unknown at this point, but but yeah, it just it doesn't seem like the best use, <laughs> the best use of that spot, and it's, it's still unclear to me exactly what his role is. I mean, I guess it's kind of like mop up type right. duty. Right, and, and they haven't been blown out it. much. So up seven yeah. one, down seven one. Right. Yeah. So they yeah. they're not they're not going to use him. Uh, any plans for the All Star break? I'm actually going to Seattle. So uh, nice. I will be, yeah. So Enjoy. I will be in Seattle with the Castellano family. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. It's nice there you. during the summer, less rain. So yeah, it'll be good. Castellano's <laughs> family and the Philly staff, correct? Yes, yes. Um, Thompson's going to be there, and the coaching staff is going to be there. So, so yeah, I uh, um, just one more quick thing about the Immaculate Grid. One of the trainers told me yesterday that he was sitting next to Thompson on the bus. 
from, um, I think, on the bus ride to the ballpark, and he was trying to mine Thompson for information about, like, <laughs> I think he needed a, he think he needed a Yankee who was a Brave, and that's kind of like Thompson's sweet spot. Yeah. And um, Thompson said it was a fun game. He didn't. He hadn't heard about it, but he said that he might start trying it. So maybe right. he'll be someone that's on the immaculate grid train at some point. If it's good enough for a lifer like Rob Thompson, it's good enough. Oh, I guarantee you he's good at it. I oh, guarantee yeah. he's a nine-for-nine nine guy way, way more often than me. He just has to look through his contact list. Yeah. Exactly. Get the phone yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Alec, listen. Uh, always, uh, Alec, excuse me. I, I got you confused with Alec Bohm. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, you can follow Alex Coffee on Twitter at by Alex Coffee, and I believe we can now follow you on. Um, hold on a second. Let me let me see if I got it right. Are you now on the newest that newest thing that everybody's doing? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm on Threads, which feels a little bit like Mars right now. Yeah, um, I'm there. But <laughs> but I'm there. Uh, same handle by Alex Coffee. Um, and I'm posting pretty much the same stuff I'm posting on Twitter. Yeah, so. Me too. All right, Alex, thanks a ton. Have a great trip. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. There you go. Appreciate right. it. Yeah. You, you familiar with threads yet, Joni? I've heard of it. I have not yeah. ventured there. Twitter is such a mess that I just kind of like park myself on threads just in case Twitter expl- implodes, which right. is good. That, and, um, and kudos to, was it uh, the same guy who, who started threads? Yeah, Meta. Yeah, it's it's the yeah, it's Facebook, Facebook, it's Instagram, it's all that. Right. Um, smart on their part. If Twitter is uh, getting too overly produced and/or handled or whatever way you want to describe it, why not jump into the fray and get yourself a new startup one? Smart on their part, as far as I'm concerned. I haven't checked it out. Don't know if I'm going to do it, but I understand their line of thinking, and I think it's pretty smart. Are Zuckerberg and Elon Musk going to do this fight? I heard I about that. I don't know. That, that's, that seems like the stupidest Thread thing. seems like it could have started it. You know, th- that'll put it over the top. Yeah, My, maybe. Listen, they can hate each other, and I get that. To see those two guys go slap each other, I, I'll, I'll, I'll pass Can't be worse that. than the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight. My <laughs> wife watches a lot of news on TV, uh-huh. and she like asked me the other day, who would win a fight between – I said – why would you even ask me that question? Right. I had no idea this, this had been proposed, and yeah. she explained to me, but I guess all the news outlets are having fun with it. and Yeah. Uh, it, it, here's how I would solve it. Glenn Mack now, it will cost you 99 cents to watch that fight. Would you pay 99 cents? Jody, and I'll use the cliche, if that fight was on in my backyard, and I only had to look out my kitchen window to see it. I would not. I would close the shades. <laughs> I concur. You and I are on the exact same page. But I did. I did open an account on Threads yesterday uh, at Real Glenn Mac. Now it's like almost a just in case because Twitter just seems really shaky right now. You got that thing last weekend where it's like there's a what is it a rate limit or whatever you can only yeah, use. there's a rate limit of how many tweets you could see yeah you can only get some it's like you have a you have it's like we have wip but you can only listen four hours a day and anything right. over that you're like what kind of stupidity is that yeah because he wants to try and make it exclusive and you're yeah, right he's well, gonna end up shooting himself in the foot that's why i just again just like park the 
park the spot over there just in case I need it. And right. one, one quickie yeah. on the fells before we get to break. Um, the reason that I asked the Dylan Covey question, and I've been tracking this, and I checked it again last night. The last time Andrew Bellotti gave up a run mm-hmm. for the Iron Pigs was May 31st. We are now into July. He has gone 15 straight appearances without giving up an earned run. Why is he a AAA and uh, Dylan Covey still a member of the Phillies? I know it's nitpick. I know it's the 13th guy on a 13-man pitching staff, and I'm probably overanalyzing, but this is what we do. It just makes no sense to me, so that's why we asked Alex the question. Yeah, no, it makes sense, and I imagine at some point that will happen, but uh, there you go. 215-592-9494. Coming up, what we're watching, and this week I think – all, each of the three of us has a show that we're going to recommend, so stay tuned for that. Grab, grab your pen so you can write it down. Jody McDonald, Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. <laughs> Hit that wrong button there, did you, Dan Wilson? <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Well, there, there's two versions. That's and, improv uh, producing right there. He had and a 50-50 chance. Let me add quickly, um, last week when I filled in for you uh-huh. with Mike Sealski, we did uh, what you're watching, and Sealski asked, which one should we play? Yeah. The Mike Sealski one or the Jody McDonald one? And I said, well, I'm filling in for Glenn, and it's a Saturday, so we got to play the Sealski one. So, uh, yeah, we, we did get it right, but Sealski's getting So if Mike much. ever makes his way over to Sunday, then you're playing the Jody one? That would be yeah. correct. Gotcha. Yes. Absolutely. All right. What we're watching is brought to you by Guided Door and Window. Take advantage of Guided Door and Window's big summer sales event. Receive 40% off all windows and doors. Call one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at gogida.com. We each have a show to recommend today. Jody, yours is one that is one of my favorites, and I've talked about it. I would love your take on this one. I saw the promo on whatever channel, whatever, now streaming, blah, blah, blah. Oh, good, The Bear, which uh, this happens to me all the time. I know it's recommended to me by one of two people either Glenn Macnow or my daughter. And I had uh, not watched season one. They had finished all of season one. My daughter, you told me you got to check this out. And I streamed the entire season. And, man, it was good. That was, The first season was so good. Great. And I got psyched for it. And then I season two is out. Oh, this is great. So I went to stream. The entire season's out. Knew I was going to watch a bunch and do some binging. After the first two episodes, I was ready to give up. I was like, yeah, we did all this last season. And it had been a while since the first season had been on. But what I could remember was basically all the same. And I was dangerously close to not uh, continuing, to just giving up. And I texted my daughter and said, yeah, I've been streaming the the first two episodes of The Bear. Boring is all get out. And my daughter pleaded with me. She said, it gets so much better. Wait till you get to episode six. Dad. Six. Six. And I said, all right, fine, I'll go back to it. And three was better, and four was good, and five was very good, and then six was off the charts great. And I said, well, that's why I check in with my daughter and Glenn from time to time to get me straightened out because season two was phenomenal, much like season one, even though it got off a little slow in the first two episodes. Uh, I loved it, and yeah, it, it it did get off a little bit slow. I liked this year that they kind of spent attention on all the different characters, one per episode. I 
I love the episode after six where they take the guy who's kind of been a screw up his whole life, and he he, he they put him to work in a fancy restaurant. Richie is that Richie's Richie. his name, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought that was good, but I'm I'm glad that you liked it. And I'm glad that you stuck with it. Speaking of restaurant shows, I guess, Dan, you've got something you've been following. Yeah, so this show, uh, I believe, is six seasons old now at this point, but I just got turned on to it uh, within the last week or so. It's called Chef's Table. Uh, it's on Netflix, uh, and it starts out at least. I'm only a couple episodes in. I watched the the first episode anyway. Uh, features a place in Phoenix, a pizza place called uh, Pizzeria, Blanc- uh, Pizzeria Bianco, uh, I should say. Uh, and, Glenn, I know we were talking uh, during the yeah. break, and you said you have been there. You can give your review in a second. But basically the premise of the show, well, first of all, this in this one particular episode, Glenn, you, you must be slacking on your food hunts. One guy tried a 1,000 different slices of pizza in a year. So, <laughs> so I, you went, I what, 45, 45 and 45? 45 yeah, this guy went 1,000 yeah. slices of pizza in a year. Holy so that's like three different cow. slices a day. And he swears that the best, this is a food critic, like that the best pizza in the world, is not in Italy. It's not in New York. It's in Phoenix, Arizona. And this guy is like an authentic, like has authentic Italian roots. And he goes out with the farmers and gets the tomatoes and you know is pounding the wheat and making the dough from scratch. And I mean, he takes a lot of pride on how good his pizza is. And apparently, it's world renowned. I had no idea. I find it interesting because it's like, wow, this, anyone who is dedicated so much to something to be so good at something and really care like at that kind of level. I find fascinating. Uh, but, Glenn, you said you had a bit of a different review on this place. Well, I've been there, and it's really good pizza. I mean, it is it is excellent pizza, that place in Phoenix, and I went there because it has such an amazing reputation. I would tell you that I see, to me, I think, I believe in the pizza belt, and the pizza belt runs from South Boston to South Philly. Uh, or, nor- excuse me, north north end of Boston, not South Boston, north end of Boston to South Philly. And I think in those cities, Boston, Providence, New Haven, New York, Jersey, Philly, you can get the Northeast. Yeah. Yeah. And and there are many pizza places as good as that place in Phoenix. What makes that place in Phoenix special is it's probably the best pizza for a thousand miles in any direction. (laughs) But there's. So, I mean, Jody, you grew up in New York. For God's sakes, the pizza you get there is amazing. So, and what I can confirm is, I've done several years vacations in Maine. Yeah, you don't want to get pizza in Maine. Yeah. Why, why, once you get north of North Stick Boston, to the seafood, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going lo- unless you're getting lobster on your pizza. You don't really want to do pizza in Maine. I like that sound of that show. So, I'm going to give you a show. You know, uh, and Jody, I know you are aware that my absolute favorite TV genre is British cop shows. Love them. Yes. Can't get enough. Uh, if I am listing my favorite shows of the last decade, it has to include Line of Duty, Broadchurch, Unforgotten. I, I could list more. The, the bleaker, the better. Luther, Sherlock, Peaky Blinders. Uh, I know you love Harlan Coben, The Stranger yes. and The Five by Harlan Coben. Both good. Right near the top of one of the best is Happy Valley. It is not about the Nittany Lions. It centers on a 50-ish-year-old female detective in a bleak town in the middle of England. Everything's kind of grim, just like I like my cop shows. The lead character, she's smart and tough and tired, counting the days to retirement. Um, When, of course, the case of the decade falls in her lap and there's a major betrayal that you don't see coming. Here's the thing. Happy Valley first came out in 2014, season one in 2014. You can watch it. You can watch season one on Amazon or Netflix. Season two comes out in 2016. 
And then a full seven years passes before here comes season three, uh, which is on BBC America if you get that, or Acorn or AMC+. Plus. Not like I needed another streamer. Uh, to be honest with you, AMC Plus had a deal, Jody. One week free, and you pay after that you pay six ninety five a month, and I have two days to cancel AMC Plus. I binged all six episodes. There's only six episodes. I binged and I'm done. Going to end that. Okay. So I was worried that seven years away the show wasn't going to live up to the past years, but it's great. It is. It's structurally your traditional British crime series. Lots of plot strands and investigations and you need to pay attention lots of cop shop politics and grumpy supervisors but it's better than that one thing that makes it work without giving it away the the heroine the woman is battling the same enemy she had the first two seasons but it keeps evolving there's a great cat and mouse here a great protagonist and villain um happy valley is bleak and brilliant um, you're not going to recognize most of the cast. I mean, if you watch British shows like Downton Abbey or Downton or, or Doctor Who, you'll know some of them, but most are actors you don't know. Um, but it is great. It gets an 8.5 on IMDb, which is a really high score. It gets a 96% of Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I give it a solid A. This is a professor. doesn't give a lot of A's. I give it an A. All so, right. Let, let me add two more things. First yeah. thing on your cop drama stuff. Yeah. Do you watch the one that stars Xena Warrior Princess? No, I don't think so. Do you even know what I'm talking about? No, but I would. Do you know who's... Yeah, I know did, I know the actress. Xena Warrior I don't her Prince. name. Lucy Lawless. Lucy Lawless. Yeah, 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 yeah. I am unaware of her doing it. She's got a British cop show that's on either Acorn or BBC or whatever, the ones that you just ran down, which I've seen commercials for. And she's now blonde, and she used to be Xena Warrior Princess with jet black hair. So she just looks weird to me because the only thing I know Lucy Lawless from is Xena Warrior Princess. My Life is Murder, would that be the name of it? I, I, there, yeah. yeah, it must be. My Life is Murder with Lucy Lawless on Acorn TV. There you go. Uh, so okay. I thought maybe you had seen that. It might be up your alley. Uh, it it uh, would has, seem to be. Hasn't gotten me yet, but I was intrigued by the fact that Xena Warrior Princess, who I hadn't seen in a decade, was doing something else. Uh, the other thing is uh, just showing my true colors as the uh, old school guy that I am. Here's what I binged over the last couple of days. I'm going to try and get to the one that you told me to, and I never did because I got waylaid by this. You know, I still think there are a couple of viable shows on network television. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't given up on it yet. I've got Amazon and Peacock and Netflix and uh, Hulu and uh, a bunch of streaming services, which I use maybe not as much as you, but still use. But I do still like a couple of regular uh, over-the-air network TV shows, one of which is The Rookie. It's on Sunday night on ABC. It's the oldest rookie in the country, 45-year-old guy who becomes a rookie cop. And it's really pretty well done. I thought it was about Chris Coast. No, not that rookie. Uh, But I see where you're going. Um, I picked it up at some point. I didn't know or if I did start when the show debuted or whatever. I was completely clueless as to how much it had been on or whatever. I watched it one Sunday night. I saw a preview. I thought it looked pretty good, so I watched it. So then I set the uh, recorder for it, so I'd watch it every Sunday. I never watch it on Sunday night. I get around to it on, like, Tuesday. But I really did enjoy the show. It never made reruns, and I thought it had been going for a while, and I thought it would. 
And then it was on, uh, like, 6ABC on Saturday night at 1.30 in the morning. They'll throw reruns on there. It hasn't made it to any, like, uh, TNT or USA or... Recycling uh, network. Right, exactly. And I didn't know that it had already started. And I missed the first season and change. And I didn't even know I had. So I said, damn, I'll bet you this is streaming somewhere. And sure enough, it's streaming on Hulu. So I went back and watched the first season of The Rookie. And that got me binging and took up too much time in my life. Nice. Well, but uh, it was uh, something that I did watch. That I, and it was a completely different view because I've watched four seasons worth. Yeah. And I never saw the first season. So it's kind of weird because yeah, you're back. back watching something that you kind of know the character but didn't know this. And it actually was an enjoyable watch this week for me. All right. So you recommend The Rookie as well as The Bear on yes. Hulu. I love The Bear. Uh, Dan likes Chef's Table on Netflix. Correct. It's on Netflix. <clears throat> and I thoroughly and highly, without reservation, recommend Happy Valley, uh, which the first season you can find on Netflix. Season three, which is on now, you got to get on AMC Plus or Acorn or um, I think that, well, BBC America. All right. One last thing I want to say. Keep your eyes open this Wednesday, Jody, if you have the chance, because I think we would have a great time talking about this. This Wednesday, Netflix is releasing a new documentary series called Quarterback. And um, it's going to follow three NFL quarterbacks through last year, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Kirk Cousins of the Vikings, and Marcus Mariota, uh, mm-hmm. formerly of the Falcons, last year, now the Eagles' backup. They were followed by camera crews both on and off the field all last season. And I think it'll be fascinating, first of all, to see Mariota and all the drama that went down with Atlanta when he was injured and decided he's done for the season. He decided that. And I don't know how much we want to relive the Super Bowl, but I'm sure they're going to take Mahomes through that. So I think the quarter, or excuse me, quarterback on Netflix starts or is dropped this Wednesday, and I think that's going to be worth watching. I will attempt to give it a watch, and I give him credit without ever watching it, the variation of quarterbacks. Yeah. The best of the best, the good, but he doesn't win, and he can't win in prime time. But look at those numbers and the – Veteran guy trying to hold on to a job, uh, as you mentioned, the drama. The the comparison between the three, I think, will be very intriguing. I do, too. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Philadelphia baseball, PGA Tour, MMA, pro soccer, tennis, and that much more. Join me. Download the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app right now. It's the only sportsbook app that I play with and recommend. Uh, the Bet Parks Casino Sportsbook app follows you wherever you go all summer long. Get in on the action, whether you're on the beach, on a boat, down on the boardwalk, or if you're up on a lake in the Poconos, Bet Parks has you covered. Right now, it's right there in the palm of my hand. I got mine. I'm going to look at some stuff this afternoon. Odd slots, bets, games, and more. Live in-game betting where you can double down on a bet you made before the game started if you like the way it's going. They also offer same-game parlays, teasers, and many, many other options. You can bet on more than just a score. Player props each and every single game, every single sport. Since we're in baseball season, home runs, hits, strikeouts in baseball. And for those of you who never played with Parks before, it would be a good time to check it out. If you make your first wager $10, if you hit it, 
they'll give you a sports book bonus of $125. That's not bad if you're looking to go win-win. And that's what I do every time I pick it up. I'm asking you to join me, have some action with your action this summer with the Bet Park Sportsbook app. It wasn't the back. It was the hand. That was Mike Trout the other night. Uh, fractures the hamate bone in his left hand. He's placed on the injury list. Uh, is going to require surgery. We are now joined uh, by, as we are every Saturday, by our friends from Cooper Bone and Joint. Dr. David Gelt is with us. Dr. Gelt, I can tell you that I don't think I could find the hamate bone on my body. What is it, and why does it get broken in baseball all the time? Yeah, so the, uh, the hamate bone is at the base of the wrist, um, what they call the carpal bones, and Usually you get injured with uh, the butt of the bat or a golf club when you hit it hard or a fat shot. And the the butt of the bat sort of pushes right up against that outside part of the wrist. And there's a little hook on that bone that can sometimes break off called the hook of the handmate. And so what we have to sometimes do is if it breaks off, it can get displaced and it can push up on a nerve. So we usually excise that bone or we take it out and then you uh, just let it heal. It does very well, usually about six weeks, um, you're sort of back to going to activities. And here's my question, Doc, because I saw the play at the time. For, for whatever reason, I was watching. It was on the MLB Network, and I actually saw him do it. It didn't seem like there was any contact, either the ball hitting him or his bat hitting him. It looked just like a regular swing, and that he hurt himself swinging with the, the fortitude with which Mike Trout swings a bat. Can you actually break that bone without it coming into contact with something? Yeah, and you can. And just part with physics, and he may be holding the bat really low. So, like I said, the butt of the bat may be just under, or his, his wrist may be underneath that a little bit. So, with all that force, with a powerful swing, you can just push that bat right into that bone, and it's you know it's a small little bone, and there's a little, like I said, that little hook, and sometimes it could just break off. Unfortunately, um, for him, he's. You're going to be put on the shelf for a few weeks. Yeah, boy. And not the first time for him to get an injury. Yeah. So you, you said six to eight weeks after surgery, and you should be able to come back just as good as ever? Yeah, usually people do really well with it. You know, uh, you know, like I said, uh, if everything goes well with the surgery, there's no complications, uh, he should be back. So uh, he should be okay for the right. remainder of the season towards the end. I'm going to give the two of you a list of names of major league players who have had the injury, the challenge that you have, Dr. Gelton, Jody McDonald. Who doesn't belong? Is this Immaculate Grid? It is not. <laughs> but I am impressed that you've been listening to the show. And Thank you, Doc. It. There you go. All right. This is players who have had broken handmade bones. Scott Rowland, Jose Canseco, Junior Griffey, Giancarlo Stanton, Troy Tulowitzki, Big Poppy, J.D. Martinez, Dominic Brown. Oh. Which of those names does not belong? <laughs> there you go. And you know what's funny, Glenn? And mm. uh, shame on me. I'm sure it happened prior to this. But you know who I remember more than anybody else? Dave Hollins oh, was, I okay. think, the first guy I ever heard the broken hamate bone. I don't remember ever hearing it before, but I remember Hollins doing it at one time. And it might have even been the year they uh, went to the World Series that it happened. But he was the first one that I ever remembered. Has has this been a more common occurrence, this type injury, Doc, over the last, I don't know, you want to say 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years? When did injuring one's hamate bone become a thing? Uh, I'm not sure if it is, you know, it's more frequent now. Uh, like I said, any injury, sometimes it can go in spurts or just becomes more common for one week 
to another or one year to another. So I'm not really sure exactly, but it does happen, especially with uh, like golf and, and baseball. We see that or tennis rackets, stuff like that. So any type of you know, that type of activity, we'll see that. No, there you go. All right, what else? You've always got good stuff to, to bring to the table. What else is on your mind today? Um, so there was a show that I just started watching. I got a, a tip from somebody, a friend of mine. Uh, I'm actually a tennis guy, so there's actually a, a Netflix documentary called Breakpoint. I don't know if you've heard about it. Um, it just goes basically through uh, a handful of players on their, their season and their year and how they go through the uh, ATP tour and uh, just the uh, background of uh, – a tour player. Um, I, ha- are... I have heard about it. I have not watched it. One of the things that is true is the streaming networks have discovered the value of sports documentaries. There's a great one on auto racing um, that's out there now, too. And yeah, I've... I think it's the same producer, actually, I think. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and there's this NFL one coming up, and I think it's like the ne- – there's so few good sports movies anymore. I can't tell you five good sports movies in the last ten years. Mm-hmm. But there are a ton of sports documentaries on TV, and so I've I've heard of that. I've heard it's good. I will appreciate your recommendation and watch it. So you're going to check in with us next Saturday with the Immaculate Greed? Yeah, I'll check. I, I've watched uh, some of the first episode. There's only I think two seasons so far, oh. so it's not too involved. So no, you uh, you're referring. Uh, you're you're hearing us talk about the show, The Bear. I'm asking if you're going to do the Immaculate Grid. Oh, 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 the Immaculate Grid. I'll I'll check it out. My my son mentioned that there's actually some. Other uh, sports is a called crossover grid for basketball. So if you're not oh, a baseball fan, you can try that one. Yeah, too. basketball. They now every sport. Uh, yeah, Dr. Exactly. David Gelt, it is always a pleasure. Enjoy your weekend, my friend. Thank you so much. You too, guys. Have a good Thanks, one. Thanks, Doc. All right, there you go. Good guy, that guy. Real good guy. Uh, and I looked it up. Uh, he broke his hamate bone, uh, Head Hollands, um, the year after, 1994. But I, I, I remember it distinctly. That yeah, when was everything the first went bad time, for the 94. I, right, thereafter, 93. Right. That was the first time I had ever even heard of the hamate bone. I, I was like, me it was what Conseco. the hell's a hamate bone? Yeah, I know Conseco did it, and I think that was the first time I heard of it. Okay, I, you know, yeah. maybe because it was a Philly guy that I said, yeah. I guess I'm going to have to figure out what the hell a hamate bone is. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you had something. Oh, by the way, um, I forgot what I was going to say. So never mind. So go ahead. All right. Um, uh, a friend of a mutual friend of both yours and mine, the head of fun and games for the Philadelphia Phillies, texted me during the show. That would be our friend John Brazier. And he said, Mac, after the All-Star break, the Phillies have 43 of their 73 games at home. That's a pretty big split. 43 home, 30 on the road. And he said he thinks it's the most home games for any team after the All-Star break. And my first thought was, wow, that's great. Uh, no. And then I stopped and thought about it and said, right. oh, no, that might not be good because they can't lose on the road. They're road we need warriors. more road games. Yes, this is a team that's won 13 in a row on the road. Stay there. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what came to mind for me. Is like, of course you would want those home games, but this year, this team? Right. I don't know. But, yeah, presumably that's an advantage. And to my – I haven't gone through it, but to my way of thinking the scale of difficulty of their schedule is not that bad. I know the Marlins, who are now, I think, a game and a half ahead of the Phillies in terms of being the first wild card, have a very challenging schedule in the second. I think they play the Braves a lot. They play very good teams a lot. Um, so I think that's 
that's a thing for them. By the way, I know what I wanted to say because somebody just uh, wrote me that show you like the the rookie. Yes, a uh, guy. I want to give the guy credit who sent it to me. A guy named Chris Freed said to me that show is based on a guy from Bucks County. Really? Yes, did sir. Did not know that. Then why the hell they got him? Did he really move out to? Because again, without over covering the show, it's. Oh, that's true, because that was what the first episode was. He was a contractor, got his college girlfriend pregnant, so he had to get married. He became a contractor, even though he was going to college for some higher pursuit than that. And uh, they were married, stayed married till their kid got to college or whatever. And then he got divorced and said, I got to restart my life. He becomes a Rookie a police officer in L.A. Not only does he change careers, he changes the other side of the country. So he goes out and the whole thing's shot in L.A. And it's very good. You get a real L.A. feel out of the show. Uh, but I forgot that it was, yeah, he, he was uh, married with a kid in uh, Pennsylvania when uh, his well, life got go. upturned. Do you uh, remember you and I both like that show, Lincoln Lawyer? Yeah. Does that ever come back? I always heard it was going to come back for another season. I've not, I've not seen it. I think you and I are both Harlan Coben fans, and there aren't many guys like him as far as mysteries being turned into television or movies or whatever else. Prolific, oh yeah. Michael Conley is one of the very few I would put in the uh, category of a Harlan Coben, and he was the Lincoln lawyer author. And yeah, I'm not uh, not sure why they didn't bring it back because I thought the first season was pretty damn. I thought the movie was good too. Um, I'm surprised that they haven't redone that. Yeah, I would I would hope that they would and think that they would. All right, 215-592-9494. Coming up, we'll check in with Kyle Newbeck, uh, senior staff writer covering the Sixers for phillyvoice.com. There's a lot of speculation and rumors going on with the Sixers. Let's find out from Kyle what, if any of it, has any weight. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Hey, it is summertime, and sports are plenty out there. Philly baseball, PGA Tour, MMA, pro soccer, tennis. You got the Open coming up in a couple of weeks. Well, join me and download the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app right now. It's the only one that I recommend and play with. Bet Parks Sportsbook Casino and app follows you wherever you go. Down the shore, up to the mountains, get in on the action all summer long. Whether you're on the beach, the boardwalk, or on a boat. Maybe you're on a boat up in the lake in the Poconos. Bet Parks has you covered right there. It's all right in the palm of your hands. Bet slots, games, and more. Check out their live in-game betting offer. Not to bet on the game and then sit there and wait and see how it ends up. You can make in-game wagering, parlays, teasers, and so much more. Bet on more than just a score, player props, personal bets, hits, home runs, strikeouts in baseball. Play it all. All new users, if you've never played with Parks before, bet $10 and get $125 in a sportsbook bonus if your first bet is a winner. If you're looking for more action this summer, wherever that may be, if you're looking for action with your action, you can get it with the Bet Park Sportsbook app. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. Jody and I will be uh, again on again tomorrow, 10 to 1 or 10 to 110 or whatever. I think the Phillies game starts at 210, so we're on up to an hour before that. Nonetheless, let us go to uh, the phone line and check in with Kyle Newbeck. Kyle Newbeck is senior staff writer covering the Sixers. You can, uh, for uh, phillyvoice.com, you can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Newbeck. And Kyle, we brought this up before. I think we can probably follow you on threads also, correct? 
You can. I have to uh, try to stay on top of every possible Twitter alternative as the internet <laughs> as we know it burns down around us. So, <laughs> I'm on everything. Indeed. Uh, he is also a co-host of the Clap Your Hands podcast on Odyssey Sports, which focuses, as you would think, on the Sixers. So here's a question that I want to start with. Would you advise a team trading for Damian Lillard, even as he and his agent say, don't do it because we don't want you to and we don't want to come there? That is, as you suggest, I think in a, a story or tweet earlier this week, kind of the question facing every non-Miami Heat team around right now. Yeah, so I think if I was a team that thought I was good enough to contend after acquiring Damian Lillard, that I would ultimately say yes. I think Damian Lillard has not struck me as a guy over the years that if he gets traded to any team other than Miami is going to cause a scene and not play and cause all kinds of problems. Like it, it just would go against what we know about him and how he has carried himself for you know, over a decade in the NBA. Now, that is a, a tough position to reconcile, and you do have to consider it if you're considering trading for him. But that's a bluff I think I'd be willing to call if I could make a trade to get him and put him on a very good team. I almost had to keep myself from laughing because as you were describing what Dame Lillard wasn't, I immediately thought of James Harden, who is that type of guy <laughs> who will make uh, waves and cause trouble and the like. So the next question has to be James Harden. Is he going to have an issue if the Sixers can't trade him? Will he be fine with coming back, playing the last year that he opted into? Will there be a conversation had about maybe doing the extension with the Sixers, depending on what you believe may or may not have been cautious and wanting to do and fearing tampering charges and everything else? If Harden isn't dealt, how's that going to play this year, newbie? Well, listen, I think it's still a little too early to say that. We all know that James is sort of a mercurial personality. So maybe it is that we get to September and training camp's approaching and offers aren't out there and they all have a little kumbaya circle and, and say, hey, we're going to try to make this work for a year and we'll see where we stand. I don't suspect that's what happens. I, I still end up thinking that James will probably be a member of the Los Angeles Clippers, eventually. They are the team that's shown interest. It's where he said he wants to go. Now, granted, I think the reporting out there is that the Clippers have not made that much of a serious offer for James yet, and so that's going to have to change. I don't think Sal Mori or the, anyone in the front office is inclined to just trade James Harden for peanuts. But, yeah, I mean, I'm skeptical that – you're going to bring James back and given his history of making it very clear that he's not happy to be somewhere, I just don't think that's a tenable situation for a team that actually wants to try to compete. If they, if Daryl Morey doesn't find the trade he's looking for, and, I mean, we saw with Ben Simmons, if he didn't like what he had, he's just going to let Ben Simmons sit all year. Um, do you think it is more likely, if, again, if that trade doesn't occur, that James Harden would sit out or come and play? I think he would come and play, and some of that is because look at the situation that he had in free agency this year. Everyone for months and months and months is saying, 
well, Houston might max him out. He's looking to go back there. He's going to opt out of his deal and put pressure on the Sixers to give him a long-term max. Well, Houston obviously went away from him, signed Fred Van Vliet, slightly younger guard, who, frankly, not really that close to as good as James Harden. And that should tell you, the fact that they were willing to give Fred Van Vliet all that money and they decided they were out of the Harden business, James has a lot to prove to the rest of the league still that he's still a guy that you want to put on a big deal moving forward. And and James Harden is playing for that next contract and whatever he's going to get, whether it's from the Sixers, the Clippers, any other team who might acquire him or be interested in him. But that's a big deal for him. He is not a guy in his mid to late 20s in the prime of his life or the prime of his career, I should say, who is can just get an automatic max contract. He has to show up and, and be a player that is worthy of big money. And so I don't know that he can come to training camp or preseason or early season and say, yeah, I'm just not going to play or I'm not going to try to play well for you guys. Yeah, I'm still ticked off at myself because I thought all along that Houston stuff was BS, going back to Christmas when it first broke out. And I talked to some NBA national information brokers, and they convinced me, oh, no, the owner wants him back. I should have stuck with my original belief (laughs) that that was not happening. Shame on me. All right. Dame Lillard, James Harden, two star players wanting to be traded, looking to be traded. What's the percentage chance that neither of them is traded? Oh, I would. That's very, very low. I think. I, I think at at minimum. I don't know where Dame Lillard will be traded. I'm fairly certain that he's going to move at some point. I think Harden. At least there's an argument that this might take even longer. And the Sixers have shown through their history. I know the Ben Simmons situation is not an apples to apples thing because he was on a long term deal. But I do think Daryl Morey has shown he's willing to live with discomfort, and he certainly really likes James Harden as a player. So I think there's at least some chance that he's brought back and they don't make a deal. But, yeah, I, I think at, at one point or another before the season starts, Dame Lillard will find a new home. That I'm pretty certain of. So, Kyle, um, even as we are on the air, news has occurred in the Sixers. Uh, excuse me, not the Sixers. B, uh, B-Ball Paul. Signs a uh, Paul Reed a signs a three-year, twenty-four million-dollar contract offer with Utah. He is, of course, a restricted free agent, which gives the Sixers the opportunity to match it. Can they match it? Will they match it? They definitely can. So the interesting thing about this contract, one of the wrinkles, is that if the Sixers, or I shouldn't say the Sixers, if the team that Paul plays for makes the second round this upcoming season, the rest of the contracts of the final two years of the deal are then fully guaranteed rather than partial or non-guaranteed. And it's almost the way it's twofold thing. Danny Ainge is kind of sticking it to the Sixers once again and saying you've only been able to make the second round. Like normally these clauses are conference finals, finals type clauses. Right. That's, that's kind of a funny shot from Danny Ainge it on is. one level. But the other side of it is that Utah is very unlikely to make the second round or even potentially make the playoffs. Like they're still very much in the midst of a rebuild. Mm-hmm. And so they, it's a better contract for Utah than it is for the Sixers. Yeah, now, I, I still think I, now I still think this is a deal the Sixers could match. 
really the only downside risk for them is it pushes them closer to the new first apron level under the new CBA, and that has a lot of penalties associated with it. The Sixers still need to fill out their roster with some other likely minimum contract guys. As we said, they have to potentially make this hardened trade, which they might be bringing in several roster players just as part of that trade. But I don't think there's a great argument for not matching this. I, I think this is a cheap enough deal, and Paul is a young enough player with some tangible upside that after the year, because you're locked in for a year, Paul essentially has a no-trade clause for the next season. You can move this deal at any time if you're not happy with it. He's not making enough money that it hurts you, and I think that they should try to keep a young and productive role player. The word I would use would be livid. I would be livid if the Sixers don't match this offer. Did they re-sign Montrez Harrell because they thought this might be coming down? An offer out there for someone not knowing what that offer would be ends up being Utah, ends up being 3-24. and Is that part of why Montrez Harrell was re-signed this week, just in case they choose not to? And I would be livid. Bring back uh, B-Ball Paul on the contract he signed. So I would say I don't even really understand why they brought back Montrez Harrell, Jody. I think we both saw, or all three of us saw, I should say, that he is kind of past it at this point, had a bad season. It made an immediate difference when Paul – stepped into the rotation and said to him, I have been talking to people for the last few days or last couple of days, I should say, trying to figure out the justification for bringing back Montrez. Unless there is some secret appeal to James Harden, who has a history with Montrez, I don't really get it. And if that's the reason they brought back Montrez, I still think that's just super questionable because this is not a guy who should be playing real NBA minutes for a team in 2023 and 2024. And I'm sure that they could have found a more productive, maybe even an option with more upside instead of Harrell. I, I think Mo Bamba certainly not the, not my favorite player in the league, but he at least offers you something different. Maybe a guy who can stretch the floor, block shots. So that was a decent signing, but yeah, the Trez thing, I don't really get it all. One more for you, uh, K8, uh, KF. Were the Sixers ever at least interested that they inquire on maybe bringing Dario Saric back into the fold? I see he signed with the Warriors yesterday. I think that he's a small ball. They play a lot of small ball five, and that's exactly what Dario could do. Was there any interest from Philly in bringing Saric back? So none that I heard, Jody, but I do think, to your point, that that would have been – an interesting proposition. I think at least at present, if they're going to go small and play that way, I think it's probably PJ Tucker in that role. And maybe they think there's just not enough uh, variety being added by adding Dario. Certainly Dario, a little bit more utility offensively where you can put the ball in his hands a little bit. He's a better passer, things of that nature. But yeah, there was no serious consideration that I was informed of. Anyway. Okay. Um, okay, I do not want to um, put you, Kyle Newbeck, in the position of commenting on another reporter's work, but I do want to play something that Brian Windhorst said on ESPN, I think it was late Thursday, that I think has a lot of people in this town kind of scratching their head. So this was him talking about Daryl Morey and what he may or may not have going on. 
Okay, I'm I'm just going to say, personal point of view, somebody who's been in the media a long time and somebody who used to be a like a reporter, I decided a long time ago I wasn't going to say, like, hey, I know stuff, but I can't tell you because I don't think that serves <laughs> your readers, your listeners. <laughs> you don't have to comment on that part, but do we believe Daryl Morey has something up his sleeve that w- it's going to be revealed? Well, let me just say, because you said you don't like put me in the decision of commenting on another reporter's reporting. I do. I would say broadly, I trust Wendy. Like he's a, he's been on top of a lot of things I when agreed. it comes to the Sixers in agreed. the last couple of years or so. And to his point, more broadly, I do think if you look at Daryl Morey's track record, there have been a lot of times where moves that he's made even just in Philadelphia, like forget about in Houston, they come out of nowhere, right? Like he trades for DeAnthony Melton on draft night last season. Nobody had planned for that or was expecting that. No rumors leading up to it. First draft that he's in charge of the team, when they trade for Seth Curry, they move Al Horford in favor of Danny Green. All that, despite the fact that everyone knew they needed to move Al Horford when he took the job, Nobody said anything, reported anything, or heard any kind of rumor until the moment that it was done. It was just trades delivered, he's out of here, here's what the trade is bringing back. And so I think that's important context to consider as everyone says, well, what are they doing and why aren't they signing this guy, that guy? Why does the roster look the way it is? I know this is a frustrating way for the fan base to go through the offseason, because I get it. They want change. This has not been good enough for them. But Daryl Morey absolutely views this from the perspective of this roster does not need to be complete until they start training camp and the season in late September, early October. So he's going to go about this the way he goes about this, and I think he would prefer to be judged by the end product and not where they are when it's kind of half done in mid-July, early July. All right, I'm going to make you interpret wind horse for me as well, even though Glenn <laughs> says you don't have to do it. I'm saying you don't have to do it. I'm going to ask you to do it. <laughs> he mentioned Joel Embiid in there. Don't think that Daryl Morey hasn't forgotten Joel Embiid. Does that mean he continues to need to upgrade because Joel Embiid is here and the clock is ticking and the window of opportunity and blah, blah, blah? Or... Is he suggesting that maybe Joel Embiid could also be traded? This last two weeks has all been about Tyrese Maxey not going to be dealt. Nobody says anything about Joel Embiid. Is that possible? In theory, it's possible, Jody. I would say that's extremely unlikely, and everything that the Sixers say is about building around Joel Embiid. I think that was more along the lines of, Look, they know that everything they do right now and moving forward is being watched closely by Joel Embiid, who there are a lot of people, I think specifically the New York Knicks have been mentioned at times, who are watching this situation and not so secretly hoping that maybe Joel gets frustrated with the situation in Philadelphia and says, I want to go elsewhere. So I, I think what Wendy is getting at there is that Maury and ownership Nick Nurse, everybody in that organization needs to make sure that they're in touch with Joel Embiid and kind of what he's okay with dealing with. Because, look, when, if, if and when they trade James Harden, Jody, they could be trading him for a couple role players, some picks to stock up the war chest, and that would put them in a position where 
whatever you think of James Harden, they would likely take a step back this upcoming mm-hmm. season. And one of the biggest questions coming out of that will be, well, can you go to Joel Embiid, look him in the eye and say, we're going to take a step back next season. That's really, really important as they try to assemble this roster and maneuver to either get better or at least stay around the same level for next year. And we don't really know the answer right now because Joel Embiid is keeping to himself and hanging out with his family. So I sure hope that the front office and ownership knows exactly what he's going to tolerate this year. Very well said. Last one, I just want to circle back for one second because I'm confused about one thing, which is um, they they re-signed Montrez Harrell, which I don't think anybody's all that delighted with. They signed Mo Bamba, who's the seven-footer, and – you are suggesting that you would like to see them match Paul Reed's offer sheet. Joel Embiid plays, whatever, 37, <laughs> 38 minutes a game. What are you going to do with all these big guys? Well, look, so that's part of the case for why you wouldn't bring Paul back, right? And it was one of the reasons that as soon as they agreed to a deal with Montrez Harrell, I raised the alarm and said, well, what's the plan here? Because carrying potentially four big men on a roster where your best player is, to your point, a center, it's the one position on the court where there's just like, you can't just put more centers on the floor, right? You can play a three-guard lineup. You can play, and many teams do now, just three wings at a time next to one guard and one center. And that's yeah. kind of how the league is going. You can't just put out like four seven footers and say, Hey, we're rolling out these guys. One of them can shoot the rest of them. All they can do is be a pick and roll guy. Like that's just not a sustainable way to play basketball. And so I agree with you. I, I don't think this is, this is a good allocation of resources when it comes to the roster spots. I think they've carried too many bigs for years now because, look, I, if you want to protect Joel Embiid, quote-unquote, that's fine. But there is no protecting the team from a significant downslide if your best player is injured and is out. And so there's no reason to just put all these bigs on the roster and say, oh, well, we have coverage for Joel. That's not how it works. You're losing your best player. You're going to be worse. And so I think they should try to make the team – with Joel on the floor as good as it can possibly be rather than try to have a hundred backup plans for the time that he might miss. All right. I lied. I got one more quickie for you. Multiple choice question. Patrick Beverly will lay hands on which first a, a teammate B an opponent or C a referee. (laughs) I'm going to say an opponent. I I think Pat will be on his best behavior as it comes to his teammates for a while, although you never know. For training camp is long. Training camp is long. And <laughs> Patrick Beverly is going to get after it in some scrimmages and practice settings. And Nick Nurse is certainly going to come in. And I'm sure one of these guys to play as hard as they've played in training camp in quite a while. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, well, there's something to look forward to. Uh, Kyle Newbeck, terrific job. Listen to him on the Clap Your Hands podcast on Odyssey Sports. Uh, read him on phillyvoice.com follow him on twitter and now on threads there you go kyle n-e-u-b-e-c-k hey thanks so much for being our guest thanks for having me on guys thanks there we go good stuff very good stuff always is uh b-ball paul was very popular player here 
Young guy, bit of an upside. Sorry to hear that. As I said, the word I would use would be livid. Um, yeah. I am pretty sure I was on WIP on the air that night when the Phillies drafted him in the second round, and I was ecstatic. I thought he was a borderline first-round pick. could get picked in the bottom of the first round. And for the Sixers to get him in the second, uh, I thought was a stone-cold steal. Uh, I thought Doc Rivers misused him the entire time that those two were together. Read on the roster. Doc is the coach. I think there's even more upside uh, if the Sixers uh, – should decide not to match that offer, I will guarantee you that Mo Bamba and uh, Montrez Harrell will not give them what Paul Reed could give them going forward this year. Yeah. Yep. I hear you, pal. 215-592-9494. We'll try to get some calls in the next segment if you want to join us. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now. Hey, bring on the summer heat with huge savings when you replace your old inefficient windows and doors great people at guide a door and window right now guide is offering the best discounts of the year with the big 40 percent off summer sales event on all expertly installed windows and doors you have drafty windows you've been meaning to replace well you receive 40 percent off each window you buy that's right 40 percent off all high performance energy efficient triple pane windows maybe you need new doors well guide has got you covered there as well with 40 percent off all High-quality entry doors, patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Plus, you can start your project with no money out of pocket, paid off interest-free for up to 12 full months. Don't let these incredible savings pass you by. Go guide it right now. You can take advantage of this limited-time savings. All prior sales excluded. Offer expires July 31st, so call Guida today. Schedule the free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A. Jordan McDonald, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. Philly's coming up later this afternoon. Jordan, I'll be back on tomorrow at this time. Just wanted, uh, I know you want to work in something. I want to work in one thing here. Um, just want to work in the Flyers for a second because NHL free agency, like NBA free agency, started this week. NHL free agency was overall not very exciting, certainly not very much for the local orange and black. However, they made one move that I kind of like, which is, well, I mean, I do like. It's not a big move, but I like it, which is they signed veteran, 36-year-old veteran defenseman Mark Stahl, um, who is certainly not going to turn this franchise around, but to me is the kind of guy who, if you're in a rebuild and you know you're going to have a bunch of young guys um, who aren't going to, who are going to have a lot of learning to do. Uh, he's the kind of guy, he's a veteran, he knows what he's doing, he can lead by example, and then you know what, Jody? You can flip him at the trade deadline, probably get a third or a fourth rounder, and he will have done his job here. All right, two things. Number one, um, I, too, like the stall signing. Somewhere Sam Hinkie is shaking his head because if you're going to go tank mode, you can't bring in guys like Mark Stoll. Great who might point. Have to Great point. Help you win a game or two yes. over the course of the season, and that's where I got off the hinky train because he just – there's one thing to rebuild, and then there's another thing to be embarrassing. And the Sixers were embarrassing, and the Flyers are trying to keep from being embarrassing in the midst of the rebuild they're in. So I tip my cap on the Stoll signing, same exact thing. The flipping for a third-round pick, uh, I – don't know if you're going to be able to accomplish that because w w what did they get for uh, Kevin Hayes? Well, they got a six, but that's that's a contract thing too. 
a future sixth, not a sixth, a future sixth, got to wait a year for a sixth-round pick, and, oh, by the way, they ate half his contract. I know. Hey, I'm not – whatever. I may have given you a round higher with Stahl than it deserves, but to me, my hunch is you will move him to a playoff team before the trade deadline uh, and get something. Whatever it is, you get something. Right, something better than nothing, but I'm telling you it's going to be something, not something great. Okay. Uh, because he he was out there. Any team that wanted him, needed him, could have signed him, and the Flyers got him on a one-year deal for the veteran minimum. So his value on the open market, I don't think it's going to be much. I think his value is much more important to the Flyers. For all the reasons you, you, you just gave, he's going to help them, some of their young defensemen, win a game or two, and I applaud them because of the signing. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up was, did you see who made the quote-unquote sports pages, Mac? Even though there are no sports pages, sports websites, right? We can't. You can't even say sports pages uh, you anymore. You can get the broadsheet, you know. Uh, okay, I get. I get it on weekends. Did you see who uh, made the sports? What do you call it? Broadsheet, whatever okay. uh, section, whatever. Who? Britney Spears. Oh, you did little dust up. <laughs> yeah, only in only in Las Vegas. Yeah. Britney Spears apparently saw Victor Wombanyama and just wanted to say hi and acknowledge him. So she reached for him. Wombanyama's got his own personal security, and apparently the security person got in between them. Now, Britney Spears first reported that the security person hit her. Slapped, yeah. And that's not the way it went down. They had video. It was, everything is on oh, camera Oh, you saw Vegas. video. I oh, I didn't video. see it, but I read the report. Okay. He pushed her hand away, and she basically slapped herself oh. because she was reaching for Wambanyama, and he, like, just dissuaded her from touching him. And she ended up hitting herself. They went their separate ways. I guess the parties exchanged apologies through third parties to each other. But Britney Spears on the sports page, I didn't think it was possible anymore. But in Vegas, with Victor Wambanyama and his security, it is an actual thing. So he played his first game yesterday, the day before? Last night. I watched it on uh, ESPN after the Phillies game was over. So this is a guy, you know, having come from France, people haven't really had the chance to see. What do you think? It's going to be a learning curve. Raw. Raw and I think this we talk about this all the time in sports, the speed of the game. Even in the summer league, it's certainly faster than the Euro League. So he's gonna get up to speed. He made a couple of plays where you go, Oh, okay, now I see why he's the number one pick in the draft. He finished, I think, with only like eight or ten points. Um, I saw him take a bad shot or two. It'll be a learning curve. You you see the natural raw ability. He is read thin, and you believe he's going to put on some weight over time and strength over time. Um, but he's kind of on record as saying, don't expect me to put on 35 pounds because what I do is what I do. And if I put on too much weight, I couldn't do what I do. I so it'll do. be a, a continued evaluation of the body of Victor Wambanyama more than his game for me. Yeah, well, when I was 20, I didn't think I was going to put on 35 pounds, and then it became 65 pounds, so, you know, <laughs> it'll happen. Uh, Mitchy Tools joins us. What are you thinking about today, Mitch? Gentlemen, happy summer. Thank yes, you. You Mitch. as well. i got to get to a beach. I'm getting paler about a minute, I guess, hopefully soon. <laughs> okay. You remember once in a while you're flicking the switch. In fact, there's a, what is that station that plays old boxing matches? 
I do not no know. Idea. Yeah, once in a while. But you know, you 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 said something about boxing earlier. It's just not the same. I mean, I could watch the old fights over and over. The new fighters, is it, is it just you know? No, boxing's per- been dead for twenty five years. So it's, I, it's, I it, that that ain't coming back, Mitch. I'm told that you had a brilliant Phillies point you wanted to bring up. I did. Okay. Yeah, but, Let's go there. Eighty six games. My prediction: they'll win eighty six, eighty nine games. Well, there's a big difference between 86, 86 and 89. And 89. And yeah. you got to come down on one of them, Mitch. Yeah. I just want to say hi to you guys and, uh, you know, happy summer. Okay. You got uh, it, Mitch. I appreciate that. Yeah, 86 probably doesn't get you into the playoffs. 89 does. There's a, there's a lot of teams kind of in the hunt there. Um, the Phillies, the Brewers, the uh, the Marlins, the Reds, the Red. God, the Reds. They're legit. You know what? They're really fun too. I caught one of their games last week, and they got all these. The, the one kid is is amazing. The shortstop. Yeah, right? but can I can I just say something about him? Yeah. Did you see what Joey Votto said about him the other day? No, I know they're fast friends. Okay. He said the combination of speed and power oh, yeah, for a yeah. switch hitter. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, only yeah. name I can come up with yeah, is yeah. Mickey Mantle. Yeah, that's Why not, would that's you do that good. to a, never, a kid never, 25 and, games into his N, uh, MLB career? Why would you compare him to one of the all-time greats in the yeah. history of the game? Yeah, I, I hear that. That's never a good thing to do. No. And I think, and Votto seemed to recognize it after he said it. I'm not saying he's Mickey Mantle, but, uh, you know, yeah, that's – that is not helpful to uh, to that kid to set those expectations. But, yeah, the Reds are in there, too. There's a lot of teams that are kind of hanging around in there. So 86 games isn't going to do it. The Phillies need to win 89. And, man, the pace they are on, Jody, I like their chances. Yeah, same here. That's why 70, I got them at 70, and I got them at 78. We're, we're very close. We're in the ballpark, and it'll pick up tomorrow before our show tomorrow if they find a way to win this afternoon. Yeah, let's sneak Joe and Westchester here before the break. What are you thinking about today, Joe? What's up? So I was just thinking about Topper and just some of his press conferences talking about the lefty-on-lefty matchups. It still frustrated me a lot yesterday with him pinch hitting for Hall because on, what was it, Thursday night after he's talking about how Hall can still hit lefties and how he got a bunch of at-bats against lefties in Lehigh Valley, and then he still puts Harrison in there. And, I mean, we saw what happened with that. It ended up working out with Marsh. but Yeah. And Pache. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pick- saying – it, it, it's, it's, it's not the day to make that argument, right? Oh, I know that. You, you, you're gonna to you're up. gonna emphasize the one that didn't get the job done and kind of gloss over the one that actually won the game. I'm more emphasizing on the fact that on Thursday he talked about how Hall's been hitting well against lefties in Lehigh Valley and took him out. As did Jody they win said, last night? <laughs> did he did he put a right hander up for a left hander and have him hit the ball out of the stadium for them to win the game? Yeah, yeah, that's where my attention's going to be focused not on. Yeah, how dare he talk, pinch hit for Derek Hall after about, saying that Derek Hall can actually hit left-handed Thursday. pitching? Why would he possibly do that? Oh, okay. Joe, you, you, you really you're bringing a weak sauce he, to this one. He's, he's the guy. He, they, they, he that is caller exactly is the guy that I said morning. at yes. the very beginning of today's show. Yes. They will emphasize when it doesn't work to the nth degree, but when it actually works, oh, yeah. That's the extent of his argument. Oh, yeah, they did win the game. Yeah, by the way, uh, Derek Hall is not exactly a candidate for Cooperstown. I mean, the the manager's going to say nice things because 
why wouldn't he? But I, I let's let's not think that Derek Hall is all that. Uh, and I like Derek Hall, and I no, hope I Derek like Hall fine, gets a but... chance to play against left-handers. In that spot, he made a call. That one at bat did not work. The very next one did under the same exact auspices and premises. Let's emphasize that rather than, oh, my God, how can you do that to Derek Hall? Jody, did you pay that guy to call today? I did not. To I, I, you were no, smart? I, 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 couldn't, I could not even tell you what his name was. I've forgotten it 45 seconds since he's been here on the air. But he is the epitome of some Philadelphia Philly fans. Yeah. Oh, there you go. 215-592-9494. When we get back, we find out from our producer, Dan Wilson, exactly what we forgot to talk about today. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now. 94 WIP. It is Philadelphia baseball season. The PGA Tour. You got the Open coming up across the pond in just a couple of weeks. MMA, soccer, tennis, you name it, you can get action on it. Join me and download the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app right now. The only sportsbook app that I recommend and play with, plus the Bet Parks Casino app. It goes with you everywhere that you go, down the shore, up to the mountains, get in on the action all summer long, whether you're on a beach, on a boat, on a boardwalk, or if you're on a lake up in the Poconos. Bet Parks has you covered. It's all right there in the palm of your hand. Get odds, slots, bets, games, and that much more. If you're a player of games, how about live in-game betting? Bet the game at the start, maybe either get even and or uh, double down on a bet in-game. They offer parlays, teasers, and so much more. Bet on more than just the score. Bet on the player performance bets, the props. If you're talking baseball, hits, home runs, strikeouts, it's there every single day for you. And for you new users, if you've never played with Parks before, even if you have another app, just get the Parks one for this reason only. Make your first bet $10. Be a winner and get 125 in a sportsbook bonus if your first bet is a winner. That's a win-win proposition. That's what I'm trying to give you. That's what I'm touting right here. The Bet Park Sportsbook. Jordan McDowell, Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. One more game. Well, um, excuse me, two more games today and tomorrow uh, before the Phillies hit the All-Star break today, this afternoon. It's a 4.05 start, I think. 4.10. 410, excuse me, Ranger Suarez on the mound uh, for the Phillies as they try to win their 14th straight. By the way, since the start of the wild card era, uh, the record is the Dodgers with 15 straight in 2013. If the Phillies find a way to win today and tomorrow, Jody, they will match that. It's damn impressive. <laughs> really is. It really is. Uh, by the way, uh, several. People on social media, including, I guess I'll go Glenn Martin was the, was the first one, uh, say that Lincoln Lawyer actually dropped yesterday. Really? Yes. Nice. Yes. The show that we have been uh, waiting to come back has come back. Now I just I'm going to have to where. check it out. Yeah. Let me figure out what network it's on here. I want to say Amazon. Netflix. Is it Netflix? Yeah. All right. I thought it was Amazon. There you go. Uh, well, you and I will talk about this more when we work together uh, tomorrow, but do uh, you still get geeked up for the All-Star game? Is it a must-watch for you? I'm getting tired of saying this. I've been saying it for 35 years. Um, <laughs> in comparison to the other All-Star games, it's easily the best. Yes. NBA, NHL. Shoot, we don't even have an All-Star game in football anymore. It's now just a complete skills competition. Thank and goodness. I've been saying it forever. All the All-Star games are nothing special, if not bad. Major League Baseball is at least 
mano a mano, pitcher versus batter. The actual competition goes on as it does all season long. So that makes it acceptable. Am I as geeked up as when I was a kid? Of course not, because there's interleague play. There's yeah. guys changing teams. It used to be you joined a team. You were there forever. Uh, you played your entire career. And went, uh, the game's changed. Sports have changed. So it can't be as good as it once did. But I will say this, still the best all-star game we have. Agreed. Uh, let us go to producer Dan Wilson and find out what we forgot to talk about today. Clearly not Immaculate Grid. No, we got to the Immaculate Grid. Uh, well, I'll ask you guys a quick question that I had listed actually for later uh, in what we forgot to talk about, but I'll start with it because you just were talking about the All-Star Game. Are you guys pro or against? It used to be the All-Star Game would dictate home field in the World Series. It no longer. Do you like how it is now or how it used to be? My thought, um, necessary evil at the time. They were doing it to appease the television networks. The networks, the ratings were down. They wanted to continue to cash those big checks. They had to come up with something. They attached it to it. They probably let it run a couple more years than they needed to, but they were right to get rid of it. It was a gimmick, and it paid its price. It paid its dividend, and they moved off it because that's all that it was was a gimmick and was not necessary. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And then I'll follow up. Uh, the Home Run Derby now we have different rules. A, do you guys watch it? And B, do you like the timing versus the outs? I can't stand it, actually. I, I, I haven't watched it since, like, the first or second year. just seems like it goes on forever. Watched it every year. You should tune in again, MacMan, because they have put a clock on it. And much like the game itself, it's moving along better than it used to and has improved with the changes they made in it. Okay. I'll give it a look. All right, so here's something, uh, a stat with the All-Star Game. So Nick Castellanos is the solo member of the Phillies who will be heading uh, to Seattle. Rob Thompson and the coaching staff, of course, but solo player, I should say. Would either of you like to take a guess? In the history of the All-Star Game, how many times a team has made the World Series in the following season uh, where the manager is going that only one player, the minimum, the bare minimum, the one player uh, went and represented that team? Seems like a trick question, which means I'm going to say this is the first time. It is not the first time. It is the oh. seventh time. Oh. Seventh time in the history. The 46 Tigers, 65 Cardinals, 86 Cardinals, 98 Marlins, 17 Cardinals, or 07 Cardinals, 17 Cubs, and 2023 Phillies. All right. So then it was just six years ago. So it's it's rare, but it's not unheard of. No. But it, I thought it was kind of interesting. Like it, I, I, when I originally, originally saw it, not that I think anyone else is necessarily deserving. It doesn't really happen that often. Uh, so that was an interesting thing. Of course, the Phillies looking for their uh, r- franchise record-setting 14th straight road win later today. We got into that a whole lot. Uh, and then one thing, this is in the football world. Did you guys see the new job that Pat Shermer took? No. Pat Shermer, no. He's going to be an offensive analyst for their, the University of Colorado, jo- teaming up with Deion Sanders. Ooh, okay. good for him. Good on him. De- I, how is Deion these days? Because Deion's got all this health stuff. Yeah. Uh, He's planning to be I, the- yeah, Last I saw was he didn't – it looked like he wasn't going to need to have an amputation, Mac man. Because well, that was certainly talked about, but uh, they're, they're not planning on doing it last I saw it, which I think was two or three days ago, was an article. One thing you missed, Dan Wilson, you forgot to name Glenn Macnow's favorite Philly All-Star of all time. Pat Neshek? Correct. <laughs> How did you not bring up Pat Neshek this week? I forgot week? to get Pat Neshek in the- but I, I had to think about that for a second. I forgot, yeah, Glenn was a big Pat Neshek fan, right? He, Pat Neshek, used to make the mistake, I think, of responding 
to trolls on social media, including, I guess, me. I wrote a, a nasty column about him when I was doing my column for the Metro, and he got all uh, upset and used to, yeah, we, we would go back and forth. You know, he would be an immaculate <laughs> grid guy because he's got all those oh, card collection. Them. Oh, yeah. No, 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 I, not even us using him. Like Alex Coffey said a lot of the players haven't been playing it. I would guess that he does. Oh, I would Mike. imagine he does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like a baseball historian. Really quick generational question also because we hit it with Kyle Newbeck. How it looks like Paul Reed's not going to return to the Sixers. Uh, they added a couple. Don't say that out loud. Uh, you know, I don't want to hear that. Sorry, Paul Reed. Unlikely. There's still a chance. I'll hold out for you, uh, Mac Man. Uh, but really quick. So they one of the reasons is because they signed Mo Bamba this week. Have either of you ever heard or now been made familiar with the song Mo Bamba? Are you guys aware yes. that he has yes. a song? Okay. Oh yeah. I didn't know yeah. if you guys were. If that was a thing that only because it I, sounds like it should be a song. Yeah. Well, I well I had a few friends this week who. Learn, who are not into sports and learned that Mo Bamba is not just the title of a song, <laughs> but also an athlete. Yeah, he's also a player who plays for the Sixers now. Uh, he played at West Town. I'm a bigger fan of La than Mo. La Bamba. Very good. Go. Ah, I got what you did. Uh, that, one more quick thing. The uh, All-Star Futures game is tonight, 7 o'clock on uh, Peacock or Sirius XM Radio. Getting the start for the National League Futures, Phillies prospect Mick Abel. Nice. So, good turn that on from 7 to 7.30, and you can see that. Uh, Jody, a pleasure. I will see you tomorrow. Yes, you and, will. Uh, Dan, nice job by you. Goldbirds Radio coming up with Rob Ellis and Ruben Frank. Everybody, enjoy your day. Jody and I will be back tomorrow right here on 94 WIP. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.